Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what a chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, somebody asked me a little bit earlier today what type of weekend I had. I think it's because of my voice. Now, we'll get out in front of this. My voice, for some reason on Saturday, it started to leave me a little bit. I have no idea why. It's kind of slowly but surely working its way back. And I can assure you this, I am not sick in the least. I feel great. But the voice, as we go along here, it may become, uh, how should I put this, a little bit more gravelly. I kind of got that late, great manager and major league Lou Brown voice going today. Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. Not quite as good as it has been in the past, but it is certainly in the ballpark but somebody had asked me either earlier today i think it was tony katz on tony katz's show this morning said hey it sounds like you had a great weekend were you celebrating what was happening i I did have a great weekend started out on friday actually being up at harris hoosier park racing and casino in anderson that was fantastic great weekend with the new addition 40-year legacy tour with new addition just incredible i would go to see that again that's how good that was from start to finish, from Guy through Keith Sweat, and you had everybody from New Edition out there. I would do that again in a heartbeat. It was that good. Played the hits. Everything was recognizable. Everything straight from the catalog. Played the hits, and it was outstanding. And then I came in here on Saturday night, do my normal thing right next door on Saturday night, speaking of playing the hits and play the hits, where everybody comes together. Everybody has the opportunity on Saturday night to celebrate. Uh, Whereas here, there's often, and we'll probably get into this today regarding Lamar Jackson coming up in a bit, where often there is uh, critiquing, there is dialogue of the critical nature back and forth, either me to folks or you to me. So we're not always on the same page, but I realize this is that we are always on the same page on a Saturday night to celebrate music. Whether or not it's 30, 35, 40, 45 years old, it just seems like you guys gravitate to it. You guys enjoy it and we celebrate. So we're doing that on Saturday night. And obviously I had both of the regional final games on and watching my friend Dusty May 
coach up Florida Atlantic in the fashion in which he did to now get that team to the Final Four. And I told a couple of people this. When, when you do it, it's just the matter of doing this so much, you do become, you become a little bit jaded. Right? You don't get an opportunity to just be a stinking fan sometimes. And here's why. Because if you're a fan, then, hey, get out your pom-poms or somebody says you're carrying water or whatever amount of BS somebody wants to say to try to dig at you, especially me. Now, I've been around here, what, 18-plus years doing this job? So, come on. It's stupid. But that's what is said if, you know, you get out and start cheering. Now, on the other hand, if you're highly and or over-the-top critical, it's that you have an axe to grind. And I've always felt myself to be right there in the middle where you need to be. Man, I am fair. I am balanced. Many people say it. It's a motto. But to a lot of people, it's just a big truckload of crap. To me, I find it important. I don't want there to be an agenda. I don't want there to be anything personal on it. I don't sit here to get back at folks. And I don't sit here to pom-pom folks. So, again, that just comes with the territory of doing this job. You become jaded. As much as I want to see the local teams do well because then you guys feel better, you guys are in a better mood, I think that benefits it all. And we've been so few and far between with any consistent winning around here. You kind of take it where you can get it. And you roll with it. And I talked about last week how everybody needed to be because of of my connection to Dusty May in Florida Atlantic. You know, this is something going back to December we've talked about right here. We had him on the show then. And we kind of watched his team win 20 consecutive. Watched them roll through the Conference USA tournament. And then now through the NCAA tournament because there's really nobody left For you to have a real rooting interest in, there may be that rooting interest in the fact that, I don't know, maybe you're lucky, 37 brackets in all on ESPN, had this combination of four in the Houston Final Four beginning on Saturday. So I'm assuming that a lot of you probably don't have that deeply rooted interest about this, even if you have a bracket. I mean, maybe you could cash in on a bracket just because of everybody else's feudal situation. That part I understand because I'm right there with you. But truth be told, a lot of you have jumped on this particular bandwagon because you like the story. It is a great story. It is a great story of a team. Doesn't get a lot of respect. Works out of Conference USA. Has to prove itself. We've had Dusty on a number of times. You know, regarding you know, the scheduling difficulties he has. I mean, they're in Boca Raton, Florida, and that sounds good to all of us. But trying to schedule for his team on the budget, you're thinking Boca Raton, Florida, Florida Atlantic, all that money is in and around that university. How do they not have more? All that money is, you know, personal. I mean, I guess you could go out there and try to get some, and maybe you do now. Maybe some of those around there are interested, but it really doesn't have an effect on that university and its athletic programs, its facilities, 
And certainly now in this new era, it's name, image, likeness financials, which are going to be now that is as huge as anything else. I mean, hell, we talk about recruiting. That's going to be how you recruit. Uh, We have talked with him about even on a lower level, even when they won 20 consecutive back during their regular season. You know, we talked about in terms of him wanting to stay there because he wanted to coach these kids up again. He's going to have a lot of this team and certainly its core return. But the obstacles, the difficulties of doing that, even before now, they're under this tremendous spotlight that has been brought upon them because of their level of winning, because of where they are, and because of a great story. It's kind of interesting. It would probably even be, it's big enough the way that it is. It'd be a bigger story if this whole Final Four just wasn't off its rocker. And I love it. You can look at it from a couple of different standpoints. You can look at it from NIL. You can look at it for some teams and what they brought in. A lot was made regarding Nigel Pack. Suffice to say, Nigel Pack has paid huge dividends for Jim Laranega and the Miami Hurricanes, has he not? I mean, you talk about paying off, it has. But the effect that has had, the effect that the COVID year has had, and then now looking further down the line, the effect that the success for Dusty May and Florida Atlantic has on trying to keep... And I, I'm not going to bring this up coming up in the 5 o'clock hour because this is this is stuff we'll talk about after the season. But this is something, it is a, a never-ending thing. I'll give you a great example. One of my favorite films of all time is Ron Howard's Parenthood from 1989. And you parents out there know this. There is not a more accurate portrayal that even holds true today of parenting. The ups and downs, the roller coaster, than that film, Parenthood. And there has not been, I think, a more accurate portrayal of of NIL, of COVID year, than what you see in this NCAA tournament. Whereas parenthood was right about everything. It was right about everything. Jason Robard said, you know what? You never get to score the touchdown and do your touchdown dance and have it all be over. Because it's endless. It just keeps on going. And even now, more so than ever, that's what it's going to do for coaches. On every level. And especially those that would be of the level of Florida Atlantic. And now you're you're going to have to fight off when this is all over, fight off all those poachers that are going to come after your guys. Because as of right now, still with the success that they have had, you still don't have the resources. Oh, it looks like a fantastic place to be, and I know that it is. But you just don't have the resources that others will. And then you get that oh wow factor. That oh wow, you know, look at the way that Martin kid is playing, or you know, look at Boyd. You have all these guards, and Dusty has these line changes that have worked out so great for his team. And you know what? Back in December, when he told us, when he told us that hey, you know, I, I coached them up, but this is a great group. 
because they take it upon themselves. And you can see that. You can see that with his demeanor on the sideline, with his confidence that his guys are going to work it out. And the other thing that you have seen, you know, oftentimes this is a load of BS too. It's kind of like where you believe you can see how, you know, one team, you know, isn't giving effort. I mean, you don't know. You're just guessing. You're just guessing. But the one thing that you have seen with this particular team is just how tough-natured they are, how they hang in. And I'm not suggesting that is not across the board in this Final Four because you can find the same attributes with Brian Dutcher's team at San Diego State. Same holds true to Jim Laranega's squad at Miami. I mean, all you fans, you've seen that up close and personal. And even installed as the favorite going in, UConn and Danny Hurley is built with that in mind as well. Because that's how you have to be to get to that point. I don't care if you're a one seed, a two seed, a nine seed, whatever. That is how you have to be. It's not like all of these teams have been just struck with this incredible amount of good fortune. Certainly you're going to find those moments along the way where you could go either way and it was a difference and then you move on and another team goes home. Saw that with San Diego State yesterday with that foul. That foul against Ryan Nimhart, which was a foul. I don't care what anybody says, that was a foul. Now, you can argue all day long whether or not you should call it at the end of the game, but to me, it takes away, and I, I want to reserve my right to argue. So to me, if you argue about that call, that takes away your right to argue. If you, oh, you know what, you swallow your whistle at that point in time. What you're going to say is always going to be the benefit of the team that you want to win or the team that you support. Truth be told, and you can't get around it, that was a foul. And I love watching Creighton play. I wanted to see Greg McDermott break through. That was as tough. That was as tough as a regional championship that I can remember because I Brian Dutcher has worked so long and so hard to get to where he is. I've always been impressed with that. And then I've always loved Greg McDermott. You know, going all the way back to when Creighton, for example, was in the Missouri Valley. I've always loved Greg McDermott. I was all I always loved his teams. I wanted to see it was tough to see somebody have to go home. And it was made even tougher to have to see somebody go home after a situation like that. But what are you gonna do? You swallow it, go to overtime. That's what you're gonna do. I mean, you can't make fun of NASCAR doing that if you're going to tell them that swallow that was a foul. It was a foul. I mean, NASCAR's got these overtime rules that, uh, you know, race fans, especially open-wheel fans, whine and cry about all the time. They are doing it for what they believe is the benefit of them and their audience. But, I mean, you've, you've got to be stronger. That, that was a foul. And it stunk, and I hated the way that it ended. You know, obviously, Ryan Nimhart has a bit of a connection around here because his older brother is on this Pacer team, and that stunk the way that it ended. But, you know, that's what happens in basketball. And that's what happened yesterday afternoon. That was really tough. But now, when you look around all of these teams, all of these teams have 
given us this level of toughness and a signature moment in this tournament. And even UConn, as the favorite going in, UConn, to me, is an interesting team because they can do anything you want. What do you mean by that? They can go big with Sonogo, play through him. Or they can run up and down the floor. The Danny Hurley talked about, you know, how he put together this team and found out a year ago, you know what, you got to have shooting. Yeah, keep in mind that everybody out there, if you're an IU fan or a Purdue fan, and at any point in time, especially here as of late when the season's ended, if you ever found yourself saying, yeah, you know what, that is number one on the list. It was number one on UConn's list a year ago, and look where they are right now. Really, he has been unable to put a combination on the floor that hasn't worked. That's probably what has been more impressive to me. And watching Gonzaga as much as I watch Gonzaga, watch them get absolutely shredded on Saturday night as they did. You know, and watch likely the Drew Timmy era come to an end. Now, people are going to say, well, you know, Gonzaga Gonzaga didn't choke. They've been in eight straight Sweet 16s. Been two championship games in the past five years. They have been one of the best teams consistently over the better part of a decade. But they they ran into an absolute buzzsaw that ripped them up, shredded them, and then spit them back out. That was as impressive of, of a performance as we have seen. Taking all emotion out of it, as we have seen in this NCAA tournament. So I love it. I do. I don't know if ticket sales are struggling in Houston. That's what they say. Uh, The interest in a ticket, obviously they have engaged Greene County, but the interest in the ticket is not where it normally is, where you don't have, you know, the so-called blue bloods, which means you don't have Duke or Carolina for the most part, right? Or Kansas or Kentucky. You don't have a blue blood. Now, you clearly have the best teams through this tournament playing at the top level right now and have each, under these circumstances, had their signature moment of advancement. Now, we can talk about shooting, guard play, ball handling, handling your business on the defensive end. I mean, all this stuff that, when we say it, you know, makes us sound like a coach. But more times than not, it how it, how you maintain your level of play through the circumstances these teams have seen so far, that's what's been most impressive to me. And seemingly, each one in a different way. So that has been fun. You know, even beyond the, the relatable that I have. But it was fun, again, to be able to watch a game and, you know, be actually nervous about it. You know, to have some emotional investment in it. Because other than my high school or Indiana State or the Reds, I don't get that very often. And you can imagine, given those three options, how often it is that I get that opportunity and how long it has been since that opportunity has prevailed. Not the most profound three options right there for me. So, no, Saturday was fun. Now, this weekend was fun. Enjoyed watching all of the basketball, you know, even the criticisms, even the conversations that come from it. 
But down in Houston coming up on Saturday night should be absolutely outstanding. The head coach of Florida Atlantic, Dusty May, is going to join me coming up at 5 o'clock today. And I find it interesting to talk a little bit about how he he was handling Noel at the end of that game. Because it didn't look like that they had any intention in fouling. They brought a double team. And I thought that Noel was just going to put it up from wherever he was on the floor. I I was shocked when he gave up the basketball. You know what? It worked. That guy was hitting everything from everywhere on the floor. And the fact that he gave up the basketball was shocking. One possession game, down three, but he did. And Florida Atlantic moves on. We'll talk to Dusty about that. Talk to Dusty about the matchup with San Diego State. Yeah, I talked to him a little bit yesterday, preparing for that, going through everything that entails, you know, being this size of school, this mid-major that is on the grandest of stages in college basketball. I can't imagine that has to be incredibly overwhelming. Gratifying, don't get me wrong, and you won't be able to really truly understand the type of effect that has had until this is all over and you have a chance to think about it because everything is so fluid right now for him. But he had responsibilities of interview this and interview that and talk here and talk there. But it has been a fun couple of weeks. Dusty's going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. So we learned this a little bit earlier today. Lamar Jackson with an incredibly calculated triple tweet regarding asking Baltimore because... They're not meeting his financial demands to trade him, and he actually asked them back on March the 2nd. And a lot of you are saying, so, wait a minute, what about the Colts? Here's what I would bear in mind. They are always going to check into everything. And I can't imagine having Jim Mercer as an owner to where he wants to win and win right now. I, like a lot of you, have gone ahead and said, all right, go out there. You've hard-targeted a quarterback. Go get him. Coming up in the draft. But when something like this happens, it does make you think that something is going on. I'll give you a great example. I think over the weekend, maybe yesterday, somebody had tweeted out, well, one of the Colts airplanes has been holed up. I think this said in Baltimore for the past week. Now, I will tell you this. It was in Georgetown, Delaware. And if you look it up, actually, there are two different airplane mechanical places that are there. So I wouldn't look into that. Like, they haven't been hanging out for a week in Delaware talking to Lamar Jackson. That doesn't mean that they haven't had a discussion between the higher-ups, the head coach, the general manager, those trusted within the organization about, hey, what about this? I'm not suggesting that they they have or they haven't. That doesn't mean anything. But because the plane has been holed up in Georgetown, Delaware for the past week, I wouldn't look anything into that. But I also would not dismiss the fact you have to we say this all the time. They say this all the time. It's called due diligence. You have to do your due diligence. And we, we use it so much. It's so common. 
in, in this case, especially with this team and the saga they have gone through over the past five years at quarterback, you do have to check everything out. That doesn't mean you're going to do it. Check everything out. Does this give more of an ample opportunity for the Colts, financially speaking, of the roll of the dice that you're going to have? I I still sit here and not, not heard a word. Not heard a word about it. Now, I'm not surprised I haven't heard a word about it because the only word that I've heard since October is an interest in Levis. And maybe through a conversation that interest is not as profound as it once was. With Anthony Richardson later on this week, maybe you fall in love with him. But until I hear otherwise, that's the direction in which I'm going. We'll dive into that conversation. Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, We'll follow this with his thoughts on Lamar Jackson, on stuff in and out of the NFL going on right now. And, of course, the upcoming draft. He does a show with Daniel Jeremiah about that. We'll talk about some of those quarterbacks. Bucky Brooks, NFL Network, bottom of the hour. Dusty May, Florida Atlantic, 5 o'clock hour. Jake Query is going to be here coming up at about 5.30 from the morning show. John Mayer just announced this. Uh, He had a tour going, and now he's added some dates. One of those is here in Indy. I've got a pair of John Mayer tickets all week long for you beginning today. John Mayer's song, Listen to Win, and we'll give you a chance to do that coming up a little bit later on in the show. Thursday and Friday on the road, the opening of Major League's baseball season with Heaven Hill Distillery at Joe's Grill in Castleton. That is on Thursday. And then our Tavern Tour Stop with Heaven Hill Distillery is coming up on Friday on Pendleton Pike. We'll be at Whiskey Business with Brent Halverson on both days. That's Thursday and Friday. Joe's Grill, Castleton, Major League Baseball, opening day, Thursday, Friday. Tavern Tour Stop for the month of March is going to be a Whiskey Business off of Pendleton Pike. All right, 239-1070. If you guys want to check in, love to have you. Email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Pacers Mavericks later on tonight. Yesterday you thought that Luka was not going to be playing because of the number of technicals that would equate to a suspension. Evidently a technical was rescinded. He is on the docket to be able to play later on tonight. Pacers and Mavericks. Your pregame coverage begins at 6.30 from Cambridge Fieldhouse later on tonight. All right, quick break. We'll get into that and a lot more and your calls. A lot of your calls today regarding especially Lamar Jackson, the NFL, the Colts quarterback, Final Four. And we'll shed some light on Lamar Jackson and that situation coming up on the other side. Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network is going to join us. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back to the show. Uh, Jay Query, the morning show co-host. Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic. Remember, we are all owls this week, right? 
Dusty joins us at 5 o'clock today as Florida Atlantic into the national semifinal against San Diego State. You got UConn matched up against Miami, your final four set for Saturday down in Houston. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, if you guys want to jump in there as well, would love to have you. A lot of conversation already going on regarding our next topic with our next guest via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You can find his work on the NFL Network and a job well done out of him. He's an NFL network analyst. He is the host of Move the Sticks podcast, along with Daniel Jeremiah. Bucky Brooks joins us today. Hello, Bucky. How are you? I'm doing well. What's going on, guys? Well, we got to figure this out because, as you know, in Indianapolis, for about five-plus years, this has been a quarterback-starved location around the NFL, uh, like really nobody's business here. And every time a quarterback comes onto the market or there's their thoughts of availability, uh, normally we get kind of bum-rushed to talking about it. And Lamar Jackson certainly takes the cake for that. Uh, Where do we begin with this? A calculated maneuver, to say the least, via social media this morning from his standpoint, Bucky? Very calculated because what it did, it not only created the conversation uh, that we're having about Lamar Jackson and those things, it let it be known that, oh, he put it out there that he wanted to be gone. And so while we on the outside, like because everyone likes to fancy themselves at the gym and, oh, it's such a smart move by the Ravens, non-exclusive tag, they can get him at $32 million, yada, yada, yada. There's a real person that wears that helmet. And so now what you've done is you've made it a situation where do you want the player or not? Because there's a part of the negotiation where, yes, you want to get it at the right figure, but at some point you have to make a decision. Do you want Lamar Jackson or do you want to move on from him? And if you want to move on from him, how much are you willing to move on from him for? And so Lamar Jackson said, look, I don't want to play for you. You don't value me. You don't appreciate me. Cool, I'll go somewhere when I'm valued. That was a signal from him to the rest of the league. Hey, man, I'm done with this. I'm willing to maybe sit out uh, the season because I want to be gone. I want to be in a better situation for myself. Hey, it's Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Who has played this tune better than the other to this point? Eric DaCosta running the things for the Ravens organization or Lamar Jackson himself? I mean, it's been horrible, like from the Ravens standpoint. I mean, let's look around the league and let's see how many MVP quarterbacks have not – gotten their money with, with while having to do franchise tags and that. Man, that's a bad look on the Baltimore Ravens. Josh Allen got his deal done uh, a few years ago, and the range of quarterback money was 43 to $45 million. Why the Baltimore Ravens refused to do that deal then does not make sense to me. And so now you let it get to this point where the quarterback market never goes down. And so they just should have paid it a couple years ago because those deals would have been surpassed. Well, now what you run the risk of is even if he waits and eventually comes to do the franchise tag, well, the deals of Justin Hurts, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, those will hit the books. And those are not going to hit the books for any less than the $43 million that Josh Allen signed. You're probably looking at closer to $50 million. So by delaying the inevitable, they kind of drove up the price. They should have got this done a while ago. So, Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I do want to dive into you know, some of the rookie quarterbacks coming out of their pro days and such in just a second. But what, what are your percentages right now where Lamar Jackson plays football? If you were guessing, throwing a dart at a dartboard, any of that, where he plays football coming up in 2023? 
Well, I think if he's shrewd, I think he plays. I think if he wanted to, he could take it up to the day before the regular season, sign the tag, and get the money. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he has a few different ways that he wants to approach it. I think he plays football this year, but I think he makes it very, very uncomfortable for the Baltimore Ravens because if he doesn't go to OTAs, he doesn't um, do any of the offseason stuff, any of the training camp work with a new offensive coordinator and a bunch of new pieces, he automatically has derailed their season. So what is it that you're trying to accomplish with the Baltimore Ravens? Is it winning the negotiation or winning the game? So ultimately the leverage goes back to Lamar Jackson. Do you think what we saw today with, again, this calculated maneuver via social media, do we, we see some general managers and, you know, maybe, for example, a guy like Chris Ballard, maybe owner Jim Irsay, do we see a, a higher level of interest peaked by what we found out today at all, in your opinion? Well, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's more conjecture, right? It's more the conversation that he's creating pressure in the media on the Ravens, more so than real pressure in terms of general managers inquiring. Any general manager working so has already kind of figured out, like, hey, what do the Baltimore Ravens want? Like, is it really like the two number ones? What does Lamar Jackson want? Because they can talk to him directly. The thing about the Colts, uh, the Colts have to kind of weigh where are we going to get our quarterback from? And so if it's, um, hey, we're not going to get one of the top two guys, it's Lamar Jackson versus Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, knowing that we got to pay Lamar Jackson. Which one do you want? Do you want the one that we've seen playing the pros? We've seen being at MVP level, or do you want what's behind door number two? That's the conversation. That's the dilemma. That's the debate that Chris Ballard is having with his staff. The amount of money, what you'd have to give up, and where do you factor in at least ending the past two years for Lamar Jackson, his lack of availability, you know, the tread off the tire, so to speak. What does that factor in as far as, again, hypothetically, Bucky, if you were to end up or get interest from someplace else and that be legit, where would you factor in that availability that hasn't been there at the end of the past two seasons? I guess I would factor in the same way that I factored in Joe Burrow tearing his ACL. Would that prevent you from paying Joe Burrow? He tore his ACL in this part of a year, but he came back the following year and led the team to the Super Bowl. I mean, look, it's a part of it. Anyone who plays quarterback, you run the risk of getting hurt, whether you play outside the pocket or inside the pocket. To me, I think it's really a non-factor when it comes into it. Jimmy Garoppolo just got paid from the Las Vegas Raiders. He ain't played a full season in like the last three years. Um, It's one of those things that we like to talk about, but at the end of the day, you judge by how you play. When he's played, he's been one of the rarest quarterback that we've seen in the National Football League and so you got to pay him what he's worth and so that can be a consideration as part of the negotiation but it shouldn't be the sticking point from bringing a quarterback that has played at MVP level has a 45 and 16 record as a starter. Hey Bucky we've been running a lot of hypotheticals together around here and I'll give you my, my draft angle in just a second but one regarding Lamar Jackson which you know obviously I don't think anybody thinks is a direct possibility but one of those hypotheticals is Boy, how would he work with a guy like Shane Steichen in year number one who did so well as the offensive coordinator for Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia? I I mean, is there a legit reason to have peak interest if you're a Colts fan in all that is going on with Lamar Jackson right now? Lamar Jackson, this is not being disrespectful. Lamar Jackson is a much better player than Jalen Hurts, right? And we saw the way that Jalen Hurts performed and how well he played for the Philadelphia Eagles. So if you have an opportunity to get a better player, a player who is formed at a high level, and you can do the same stuff, like you should jump on that. Also, when you think about like what we're talking about, because I, I look, I come from the draft world where we love picks. 
but how many times can we turn those picks into players? Like in this draft, in particular, when you only have like maybe 15 to 18 guys that are really first-round picks, man, you give up that number four pick overall to take a player that you've seen play at a high level. So to me, um, yeah, Shane Steichen can absolutely look at Lamar Jackson and see what he does. And also just know this, the way Lamar Jackson played in Baltimore isn't the only way that he can play. If anybody looked at the film from when he was at Louisville and he threw for 7,100 yards and ran for like 3,500 uh, and scored like a almost 100 touchdowns, he can play a bunch of different ways. We just have him kind of boxed in thinking that the only way he can play is the way the Baltimore Ravens used him. Well, and again, Bucky Brooks joins us from the NFL Network on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. My thought, because I heard this back in October, I mean, it was such a clown show here. We started talking about possibilities at quarterback, you know, basically before Halloween a year ago. And the name that I continued to hear was Will Levis. And you look at the numbers and that kind of turns some folks off. Now, again, you can make up arguments about all these guys in as many different directions as you want to. But I had heard then that that's who they liked, and that hasn't changed to this point here. As you evaluate these top four quarterbacks, how does Levis look to you as a long-term future possibility? (laughs) I know this. The two quarterbacks that I would take at the top of the board would be C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Then there's a drastic uh, difference between Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Will Levis is a good athlete. He's not a great athlete. He's an inconsistent passer who has, like, bad tape from this final season. Even though it was much better the year before, um, I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe you're saying his upside is Josh Allen, but he just as easily could be Taysom Hill. Uh, I don't – like – I understand the fascination with us over, like, bigger, faster, stronger, super arm talent, but uh, he's not a polished player, and he's not a day one where you drop him in and you can go and do a bunch of things and you're going to have a lot of success. Um, that's it. Like, I understand quarterbacks and how people push up quarterbacks when you need have a need. I just think you have to trade likely when you're talking about Will Levis and Anthony Richardson because uh, they're not polished commodities when it comes to prospects. Uh, I kind of ask you this, and you answered it well a little bit earlier. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll change it up just a little bit because you had mentioned that you didn't think that this would you know change a lot of thoughts. This was more Lamar Jackson uh, to the Ravens right now. But will we see? I mean, should the Colts, for example, Bucky, be a team out there that should? have their interest peaked even more given what you explained given what you think he can be still moving forward and also given the fact that Stroud and Young are going to go one and two and the Colts at four are going to be left with either being in love with Levis since October or going with a guy like Richardson uh, for the longer term future or even more than that if you like a defensive player on the board and going peak Ballard and, you know, trading back and trying to get somebody like Hendon Hooker a little bit later on. What do you think should be the play moving forward for the Colts at that position? In the AFC, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Period. Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, like, Justin Herbert. If you don't have a quarterback that can go toe-to-toe with those guys in a shootout, you have no chance. And so you have to either look at the draft class and figure out, do the guys in the draft give me an opportunity to win a battle with one of the top six quarterbacks in the league 
who all happen to be on the AFC, or can I get an established player that gives me a chance to go toe-to-toe with those guys? That's where you're at. And so you're competing to win the Super Bowl. you got to look at the teams that you have to knock off to get there, and all of those teams have A-level quarterbacks. And so the decision has to be, how can I narrow the gap to give myself a chance to knock off one of those aforementioned quarterbacks? Because if I don't do it, there's no way we'll ever represent the AFC to go to the Super Bowl. Do you think that Lamar Jackson's played his final snap in Baltimore? No, I think this gets messy, but then I think eventually the Baltimore Ravens acquiesce and give him what he wants. Because if he doesn't play, they don't have an opportunity to go get a quarterback either. There's not one that's available to them at 21 or 22 where they're picking, and there's not another quarterback on the open market that they can go win with. When they don't play with Lamar Jackson, their record is upside down. Right. As opposed to being 45 and 16. I think he ends up going back to Baltimore because I think cooler heads prevail. They find a way to get in the room and work this out. The Colts have as good an angle, again, hypothetically, to go at this than any other team out there. They got, you know, number four right now, maybe can do some different things. I know there's some other teams that maybe Mm -hmm. uh, would have better uh, assets to throw that direction. Where do you think the Colts rank as as far as if they did have interest being able to throw something out there to Baltimore? Oh, I think they absolutely can do it. There are two things that they would need to do. One, if you can get past the fascination of having a number four overall pick, that's easy. You give her the number four, you give her the first round next year. But then two would be, can you write the contract in a way that the Ravens can't match? Years ago, when Steve Hutchinson went from the Seattle Seahawks to the Minnesota Vikings, they structured the contract in a way that the Seattle Seahawks couldn't match it. So can they creatively draw up a contract that the Baltimore Ravens absolutely cannot match, whether that's guarantees, whether that's front-loaded money, whatever that is, can they be creative? Because ultimately, it's Jim Ursay's call. If Jim Ursay wants Lamar Jackson – Jim Ursay will find a way to make it happen. See, I that's always an outlier. The thing of it is, I I guess a little bit around here, Bucky, I don't know how to put this in, in right terms, because they've been through so much. I know this is a completely different direction. I'm not trying to compare, you know, Lamar Jackson again to to Matt Ryan or to Carson Wentz or, you know, Phillip Rivers or anything like that. It just seems like that maybe they had been down that path so much in the past three years that they've all, within that organization, including Jim Mercy, been resigned to say, all right, we're going to start right here with the quarterback. This is who we like. And there's the direction we're moving. And that's why I brought up to you, should this change a lot of the thought process in, in within the past day, for example, in hours of what they had previously with where this Lamar Jackson storyline is going? Should that change that thought process with the Colts? Uh, so what it does is the conversation that you're having is probably all of your airways all day, right? Right. So I'm sure Mr. Ursa is driving around town. He has to hear the fodder, right? God, he I feel you on that. You're making a guy right, feel good right, sitting here, Bucky. Thank right, you. Right, right, right. So he has to hear that. So now he has to then begin to ask the question, okay, Ballard, what do you think? You know, so it creates the conversation, and then maybe like, you know what? What do we think about this guy compared to the draft picks? Because – what you would like is the perfect world, right? The perfect storm was, okay, the Colts needed a quarterback. Andrew Luck is sitting there at number one. It matches up. What you don't want is we have a high pick, but the talent at the quarterback position doesn't add up 
to what the number four pick should be. And so then you reach, and the player that you bring in who's expected to be a franchise player, the first day that everyone goes into the stadium to look at the quarterback, everyone is like, oh, no. Oh, gosh. And then you're stuck with a young quarterback for four, maybe five years that you know is never going to be good enough to beat those guys that he talked about. It's uh, Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, the NFL Network analysts, Move the Sticks podcast, along with Daniel Jeremiah. I want to give you some love because you've been fantastic in the conversation here. What are you guys doing here in the near future with the podcast? Well, now that Lamar Jackson came out and did that, right before I have to do a mod draft. Like, you got to cut know, a new one is what you're telling me. You, you got to do a new you know, one. You know that you know that blows up everything that we talk about. And so, yeah, so it's, it's just mod draft day. It's just trying to figure out what we can talk about and stuff like that. But, no, it's fun. Like, the draft is fun. Uh, the draft has plenty of prospects that we'll talk about. Maybe not as much on the top end, but from picks 15 to 45, there are a lot of good players that can make plays and are going to be solid contributors. One final thing here. Do you believe in Hendon Hooker at the NFL level? Absolutely. I do. I think he's going to be the sleeper. I think he's the guy that if you can get, as you talked about, top of the second round. Uh, to me, his tape is better than Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. And, oh, by the way, they play in the same conference. So <laughs> there's something that is a little different about him than those other guys. At the right price point, yeah, you pull the trigger. The guy can play. Awesome. Hey, man, you've been fantastic. And I know you've done a lot of this on the fly with that news today. We actually lined you up perfectly on this day with this news. And I can't thank you enough, Bucky. Appreciate you. Hey, man, thanks so much for having me on. It's uh, Bucky Brooks right there, the NFL Network. Move the Sticks podcast along with Daniel Jeremiah. He mentioned that, and rightly so. That's going to create a lot of conversation around here with what was just said. And we'll get your thoughts. I have the entirety of the 4 o'clock hour to chat with you regarding that. He's right. He's also right about another thing. He's right about another thing that came at the tail end of that conversation, and we all recognize it. But as I mentioned, it just kind of felt like that everybody was resigned to the fact that it was time to go down and draft and long-term this. I'll tell you what he mentioned that was most significant coming up on the other side. Dusty May, Jake Query, quick break. Your calls and more, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr. Pepper, make it fast. I'm in a damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network, fantastic just now, and uh, the timing could not be better. Regarding Lamar Jackson and more, and what should be, in his opinion, the interest level of the Colts, I got more time in the 4 o'clock hour. I'm going to grab your calls at 239-1070 as well. But the one thing he didn't mention is always going to be that curveball in this, and that is... The owner. That is Jim Ursay. Now, obviously, you can talk about the cost. And this may just end up being a lot of sports talk radio fodder for not. 
and he goes back and does what he's been doing and they mend fences, you know, whatever. But in terms of if this becomes more than just a negotiation tactic, if this becomes something that is real, you do have to take out of the equation, you know, even if you're you're thinking about the reboot of, of Ballard and going into year seven and whatever, you always have to factor in what the owner feels about this because even if they have been resigned to the fact that they're going to rebuild through the draft at that position and go with somebody that they like at that position, at quarterback, there's no doubt that, that, that listen, they all want to win. But nobody wants to get this thing instant gratification for you Colts fans as much as the owner does. So that's that is going to be until this is settled and there is nothing to see here. That's always going to be something that's worth watching worth listening in this case for quick break we'll come back with that dusty may florida atlantic five o'clock hour query's going to be here as well i've got time for you at 239-1070 not only on the phones inside the lounge via youtube live on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan the ride with jmv so i hold my stick firmly in my right hand but i don't curl my index finger over the top of my stick you know, my stick's not big enough. I can do it easily. My stick's not that big, but I don't curl the index finger over it. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, that is billiards. How I hold a pool stick last week. I got a lot of time for your calls. If you guys want to work them in here, we can at 239-1070. Mavericks Pacers later on tonight, 630 is your pregame coverage. Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network just with us. Podcast on that, 107.5thefan.com. I did want to tell you this. I am going to be out tomorrow. Got to go down to GC to take care of some things tomorrow. So Derek Schultz will be in for me coming up tomorrow. I want to thank Derek for, for doing just that, coming in for me. Uh, Derek Schultz tomorrow, and then I'll be back on Wednesday. Thursday, we're on the road. That's going to be up at Joe's Grill in Castleton. Coming up on Thursday, the start of the Major League Baseball season. And coming up on Friday, that is a Heaven Hill Distillery Tavern Tour stop at Whiskey Business on Pendleton Pike. So both will have Brent Halverson with us. I think Sonny Vaccaro is going to be on the show on Thursday. I haven't told you that just yet. Of course, uh, the film Air, uh, Matt Damon, the actor, plays Sonny Vaccaro. Uh, Sonny Vaccaro joins us coming up on Thursday. So that'll be on Thursday when we're celebrating baseball. And I've got to get, I need to get the, uh, the new Cub. Tucker Barnhart on here before the start of the baseball season as well. So I'll tell you what, I'll send him a text and maybe we do that coming up on Wednesday. Anyway, Bucky Brooks, given a lot of reasons why the Colts should make a significant run here, why it should be just more than a conversation regarding Lamar Jackson. And I can tell you this honestly, I haven't heard anything about it. A lot of people ask me, well, why was, because somebody had said, I don't know who it was, uh, had mentioned, and then it kind of took off that the Colts plane had been sitting in Baltimore Baltimore for the better part of the week. It was uh, sitting in Georgetown, Delaware. 
And uh, yeah, the uh, the thoughts were maybe it was having some work done, but this news with Lamar Jackson today, at the very least, has piqued the interest of those that tune in to sports talk. You're asking me what do I think is going to happen? I'm still going to stick with what I believe is ultimately going to happen. And there's not a lot of pomp and circumstance with it. And I know. But even with these tweets from Lamar Jackson today that were calculated with, you know, even John Harbaugh meeting with the media at the same time out at the owners' meetings in Arizona, it is still tough to believe that that's going to happen for me. So I guess what I'm saying is I'll have to hear a little bit more. Hey, believe me, I understand where you are, too. I understand where you are. whole lot of losing, a whole lot of being tired in this. Some of you that had conditioned yourself to go ahead and be cool with the length of time that it's going to take when you draft a rookie quarterback. You, know, you hear a name like this, 2019 MVP. I'm going to perk up a little bit. I'm not trying to compare it again to, well, look what happened with Matt Ryan. Look what happened to Carson Wentz. You know, look what they did. Phillip Rivers, you know, Jacoby Brissett, blah, blah. I'm not trying to compare the two, three, the four, the five, because there is no comparison to that with you, the Colts fan, that have had the better part of five years of dealing with this stuff, and you want the quick fix. And I don't blame you. I just think there's going to have to be more than just this. Scotty inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Bucky Brooks mentioned this when he was on. The thoughts of of intervention, well, what does that mean? That means Jim Irsay saying, all right, do you really think this can happen? Well, let's make this happen. But again, this is all in the sports talk hearsay category right now. This is one of these situations where I'm thinking right now that we spend 100% of the time talking about it, and basically 100% of what we're talking about does not come true. That is, again, the basis of sports talk in general, though. It does make it interesting, and you you can't talk yourself into a reason for the conversation. I just can't be talked into right now that there being a possibility for it, a legitimate possibility that that takes place. But for the conversation, sure. And again, I don't blame you one bit. When you've been told over and over again, hey, this is it, multiple Lombardis. And even if the whole all chips in phrase was uh misinterpreted by the fan base you know once it's out there and you interpret it it's just like twitter it's out there and that's what people are going to believe so through all that i can completely understand why you sit where you are and you want the quickest of fixes because you've offered up on the instant gratification in the past and it hasn't turned out it's been actually a bigger disaster than it was So you're asking me where I sit right now. I'm going to sit where I was until further notice. But it is worthy of, if you want to talk it up, worthy of talking it up. 
I have not seen this, Daniel, the Vegas odds. Apparently the Colts have the second best odds to get Lamar Jackson. I have not seen that. There are a variety of ways you can talk yourself into it. And again, I don't blame you. I just, I can't be talked into it right now. I can talk about it and we can discuss it. And really, when you think about it, that's probably what the Colts have done to this point. I mentioned in hour number one, when people bring up due diligence, well, we're doing our due diligence. That's what they always say. I'm sure that's been brought up, but I don't know if anybody in the room in which it is brought up believes that there is any reasonable circumstance that is going to happen. I mean, even Bucky Brooks himself, who kind of started this conversation we're having right now, said that when it's said and done, his belief is he's going to be back in Baltimore. But for you and your standpoint, and for the conversation of it right now, I don't blame you for wanting to have it. I don't blame you for wanting to see it. No, and I do mean that too. I mean, Ray says Lamar isn't just a quick fix. I understand that. I know he's only, what, 27 years old, something like that. I know. But I'm, I'm talking about that in terms of what you're going to get and not having to wait on a rookie. And drafting a rookie that is going to be be viewed as third best. No, I do under, I understand that aspect. I mean, it could. But also on the other side, it could be a quick fix. I mean, it, it was dismissed. Bucky Brooks dismissed the health angle. I would always advise you not to dismiss it because we have been through it. I think it's easy for others to dismiss any mention. Well, you know, look at Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow didn't happen here. It was Andrew Luck that had the laundry list of injuries that led to him giving it up. So there's a reason why you're a little apprehensive on that. And I understand that too. Brandon writes this. So JMV wouldn't giving up Gilmore, basically a slight sign of punting the season. Like, why would you try and get Lamar, but gave up Gilmore? If there's a possible run into the postseason with Lamar, hypothetically. And I brought this up to Bucky Brooks when he was on. And my question was with what, what transpired today and where we believe this is going. And I know this to be nothing but a negotiation tactic. But where this is going right now, is there more of a reason to discuss, you know, a legitimate reason to discuss Lamar Jackson here? Like you can more legitimately have that conversation. Whereas I, I think even prior to today, you know, things hadn't evolved to where, you could discuss it even at this point, if that makes sense to you. So I don't know if the Colts, for example, would have any idea that this would be as drawn out to this point as it has Brandon Ben. That's why I asked, I asked Bucky about, hey, does this like change things a little bit for you? And again, he's thought that Lamar Jackson would just end up back in Baltimore. But there is a thought that some teams, maybe even other than certainly the Colts, all of a sudden would go, okay, well, maybe we should look into this a little bit more. You know, even if this situation is going to be rectified further down the road, 
Do we owe it to ourselves to look into it just a little bit more? I mean, other teams, you know, if you're, you know, the Raiders, for example, if you're the Falcons. So maybe that does cause, I'm not just talking about sports talk in this case, but I'm talking about, you know, the teams in general. Maybe that more is of a cause to look into it than it was prior to. But I have not seen the Vegas odds. That's from uh, Calvin Finch of Kokomo. By the way, shout out to what was a fantastic 4A final. Really just a great day all in all. Uh, midday and then evening down at Gambridge Fieldhouse. Just a ton of people for that 4A. But congratulations to all the champions. And certainly congratulations to Don Carlisle and the Ben Davis Giants for an undefeated season and a 4A title. Let me tell you this. I just saw the highlights because I was on. But Kokomo and Ben Davis, that was a high level of basketball that was being played. That was a high level on both sides. So congratulations to everybody. And I'll tell you this too, Lutheran, goodness. You talk about Lutheran scoring some points. If you're a fan of offense, you would have loved that Class A game. Not from both sides of it, but certainly from the Lutheran side. You talk about putting up some points, scoring, athletic, quick, just really good basketball playing ability. That was fun as hell to watch. And Fort Wayne Blackhawk got it. And 2A, you know, Linton had the lead coming out of the half, and then, man, could not do anything in the second half, and that was done. And the former Hoosier, Matt Roth, and Fort Wayne Blackhawk were your champions. But all in all, what's, what a fantastic day. The fantastic day. But now getting back to it, you, know, you think about the basketball that's going on around here, everybody celebrating that with the packed house. But you're thinking about the owners' meetings happening, and you knew the conversation was going to come back, and you knew Lamar Jackson. I know a lot of people would still hit me up about Lamar Jackson possibilities. Uh, this today, it, it certainly without question prolongs the reason why you have the conversation. To a degree, if you want to make a comparison, this is not the same thing at all, but I'm talking about in terms of prolonging conversations. This did today... Um, exactly what Aaron Rodgers did on McAfee a couple of weeks ago. And now, even though from a Green Bay or a Jets standpoint or a Rodgers standpoint, um, it looks like everything is done in Green Bay. And you talk about Lamar Jackson, certainly the possibility majorly remains that he uh, ends up back in Baltimore. And you can prolong and escalate if you want to the conversations now easily. And there is where the comparison is. Jim McCann in Southern California writes this. Hey, JMV, Dusty May makes it easy to pull for him with the Owls. He obviously has great confidence in his guys. He stands near the bench just letting his fellas play the game and at the game's biggest moments, smiling and enjoying the moment. I absolutely love it. He is fun to watch. They have been fun to watch.
And I mentioned this in hour number one. I have not felt that way, that emotionally drawn to a game like that in a long time. That was fun for me. I I guess you equate fun to kind of when it was down the stretch. And I think it was Forrest at the free throw line that hit four free throws. And even when Greenlee kind of missed the first of two, I was right there. And I just hadn't felt that way in a long time. It was a really good feeling. Really good feeling for me. But fun to watch. And what's funny about that, Jim, is it's exactly the way that he described it the first time he was on. I remember having him on before they went on in 120 consecutive. And he said, this is a group that are are self-motivated. It's a group that can... You know, take care of their own business. And you can tell that on the floor. Yeah, pretty impressive. There's no doubt about that. This is from Anthony. Hey, JMV. Growing up in Indy, seeing New Edition over the years in concert and seeing them down here in Houston since. They've always put on a good show. Great to see all six still going strong. It was an outstanding show. They gave you every reason to want to go back again. At least they gave me that. It was awesome. I had a great time on Friday night. I think everybody with Guy was a little bit wondering what Aaron Hall was doing. But, yeah, I mean, Teddy Riley is just one of the all-time greatest. Teddy Riley went out there with Keith Sweat for a little bit, too. Keith Sweat disappeared for, like, three songs. Some dude came out there, and I thought, came out there and started singing Just Got Paid. I didn't know what the hell was going on there. But I'm assuming it was a produced song by by Teddy Riley. But the dude, the dude came out here and started singing, and it went on for a while. It went on until finally uh, Keith Sweat came back out. But I was thinking when I first saw him, I, and I hadn't heard about Johnny johnny kemp in a long time and you know that's a johnny kemp song just got paid and all of a sudden i thought wait a minute he passed away a number of years ago but now it was an awesome night all the way around Keith sweat was great and then new edition got out there and they did you know bell biv devoe new edition ralph Tresvan, johnny gill johnny gill johnny gill just shows off with that voice everybody he does i don't know if i'd want to foul that if i was anybody else Hey, JMV, thanks for the Kokomo shout-out, but you lost your train of thought on our six-pack bet on Lamar. No, 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 I, I remember it. I firmly remember. I just, I am not, I am not in the believability stage yet. No, even with today. But there are, there are different variations of it. I, I can sit here and talk about it. I, I cannot deny this. I cannot deny what that would bring to this team. In terms of what I just mentioned with Jim Mercy, that would bring that instant gratification that everybody's looking for. Let's face it, there are a lot of people out there right now that are saying, hey, you know, you're drafting number four. You didn't go up and get number one, so now you're going to have to settle. There are a lot of people out there that aren't that excited about the upcoming cold season. Now you're going to have to wait, and we've been told this, and there's been a lot of losing, and last year was a clown show. That would bring 
the instant gratification you were looking for. I just can't be put in that place just yet to to give it legitimate believability. I certainly can talk about it, and I can understand why you would want to. But I am going to have to see more, you know, even with what was unleashed by Lamar Jackson earlier today. It's from Damon. I love the rush of excitement Saturday night after the Owls won. I missed that rush around here. I'm telling you, that's one of the things, and that's a reason why you can get incredibly excited about, you know, a possibility of Lamar Jackson when the percentages are small. It's because it's been a long time without that that level of enjoyment, that level of excitement, that level of winning. And while you have been resigned to the fact that, hey, they're going to go after, they're going to draft a quarterback, if there is a quicker route to take, you would like to take it. I don't blame you. Don't blame you at all. Bucky Brooks, by the way, was really good. If you missed that conversation, it was almost solely with regard to Lamar Jackson. Although, did you guys notice at the end, I asked about Hendon Hooker. And this was what I gathered. He liked Hendon Hooker more than he did Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. And I also gathered that he was not a fan of Will Levis. (laughs) That's where I am on this. But nah, he was really good. Uh, podcast 107.5thefan.com. You know, Tony mentioned this, and, and not only have I thought about this, but somebody also brought this up to me. Tony says, as close to a Butler run as we have seen from FAU, there are a lot of circumstances that remind remind me of the two Butler runs, and really initially the first one regarding Florida Atlantic. I think the only difference is, and maybe you didn't know at the time, but now we do in hindsight, that Butler has a couple of NBAers. They had a couple of NBAers. I'm not sure that Dusty has that, but being able to go 9 and 10 deep on the reg, whenever he wants, whenever he doesn't want, to bring in fresh bodies, that's what's most impressive to me. So I, there, to me, there was a bit of a comparison there that I did think about. That's uh, Matthew at two three nine ten seventy. Jump on the show, Matthew. Hello. Hey, JMV. How are you doing in Maine, Matthew? I'm doing well. I attempted a trail earlier today. It is unfortunately still winter on most of the trail, as it usually is in March. Is it? Uh, is there a lot of snow still? Yes. Yuck. Yeah, there there will be until at least Patriots Day. So there's snow on the ground where you live in Maine until early May. Is that Patriots Day? Early May? Uh, er, Mid April. Uh, Mid April. Okay. Patriots Day is April seventeenth, and then our because we do school differently than the Midwest, so our spring break is the day is the week after Patriots Day. So you basically have snow until mid-April. And when does the snow first start for you guys? Late January. Okay, that's the first time you get snow late January? We get we get some dustings in December and January, I got but you. our our good nor'easters, they're late January or February. That's excellent. By the way, great call on Saturday night too. Hope you enjoyed the show. I uh, thank you. I did. 
it was it was electric. What you want to talk about today? I, I was just wondering, and this is probably nothing because they they won, and I won my office pool. But the the official review that happened at the end of the San Diego State Creighton game, yeah, did not make any sense to me what that even was. They were, um, I, I think they were going back and they were looking at everything. Uh, including the timing, which would have been the time the ball um, was deflected and made contact with the ball being out of bounds and whether or not that that sucked all the clock up, which I guess they got a stopwatch out and timed it and came to the conclusion that it did. And I think they went back. They thought that uh, what's-his-name from Creighton may have stepped over uh, the inbounds line on the pass. I, I guess they ruled that he didn't. And then they looked back to see, you know, who the ball deflected off of and, and how much time was remaining. So it was probably more of a clock issue than anything else, but they looked over a couple of different things, evidently. All right. Just wanted to make sure. You got it, Matthew. Anything else? Um... I think that will. Do. You really think the Colts are going to draft Le- Levi's? Um, well, yeah. Again, and I've I've been on this since October because that's when I heard then, and and the fact that they did not feel compelled to move up to get anybody um, also leads me to believe that that's who they liked. I just don't think their mind has been changed. Now, maybe you know, maybe this today, maybe that's a cause for conversation. Maybe the pro day. I can't imagine the pro day would have turned them off unless it was you know, the portion of the pro day interview wise. I just um, I just, in terms of this, if they weren't going to go up and get one of the top two or be able to draft that, um, the only thing that I can see um, I guess would be second to them drafting Levis right now is them drafting a defensive player and trying to secure Hendon Hooker early in the first round. You know, maybe trading out of some situation and getting the best defensive player available, which would be pretty much Chris Ballard 101 right there. And then going after somebody like Hendon Hooker. This is more speculation than anything else. I just haven't been really moved with the other options out there to believe that they're thinking much more than what they have thought over the past months. So, Matthew, thank you for the phone call. You call anytime. Quick break. I'll come back. Got Mark. I got Larry on the other side. We got Dusty May coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Jake Query in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Bucky Brooks of NFL Network was really good. And anything you'd want to know and reasons why, if you are, for example, pro, the Colts going to get Lamar Jackson. That is the interview that you want to hear. 1075thefan.com. That is a podcast. Quick break. Back with your calls next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you f***ing are! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Okay, welcome back. Mavericks Pacers tonight, Cambridge Fieldhouse. Yeah, the Pacers with that back-to-back. Boston Friday night, then 5 o'clock in Atlanta on Saturday, and that kind of went the way that you thought. 
that short turnaround might go in the second of a back-to-back right there. The Pacers get the Mavericks. The Mavericks, yeah, let's face it, they've been a mess since acquiring Kyrie Irving. Absolute mess. LeBron James, NBA-wise, he got back into it yesterday afternoon. Lakers lose at home to the Bulls. You guys see Beverly at it again. The too small gesture. Oh, yeah, I know. Too short. Oh, let's blow the whistle. That's one of my favorites right there. The too small gesture to LeBron during that game. And I think over to, uh, you know, what's his nuts on the sideline? Uh, yeah, from not first take. It's one of the other ones anyway with the whole stink, no stink thing. Uh, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. I swear to you, and it shouldn't matter because I was just blowing by it, right? And I didn't stay. Because the 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 outrageous fake argument bullcrap I'm not down with, right? I'm not suggesting a lot of you aren't. I'm not suggesting it's not a great product. It's just not something that I gravitate to. So I'm uh, I'm buzzing the tower, so to speak, of get up this morning. And I swear, is it just Jets, all Jets all the time with Aaron Rodgers? Can you imagine if I sat here? I guess to a degree I am with Florida Atlantic at least for, you know, the past week or so. That's weird. It's like all Jets all the time. I guess Greenberg is going something where he is emotionally invested. Just like I was talking about a little bit earlier. But I turned it on. Oh, about the Jets. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Turn it off. Come back by. Because normally on a Monday, you know, there's no Andy Griffithon. Um, For some reason, I don't know why this is. I'm just weird. Whenever it is on... I always watch, you guys ready for this? In terms of sequels, for some reason, I love this. Whenever Crocodile Dundee 2 is on, I watch it. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I think that, to me, being in the bush, come on, the scrub in Australia seems like a really good time. That seems fun. But whenever that thing is on, I watch it. So it was on this morning. I think Footloose was on this morning. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for the 90th time in the past couple of months was on. So I went a couple of different times at Get Up, and I swear both it was about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Whatever floats your boat. Robbie B. writes this. Honestly, it was refreshing hearing Bucky tell it like it is. Will Levis has a live arm and can run, but what else? Let's take the best player available. Hell, I'll take RG3 out of the booth before Levis. Now, again, you guys do understand this, right? Levis is not the guy that I would choose. You guys know who I would choose. I would have traded and had the opportunity to get C.J. Stroud. That's who I like. I've just told you all along that this is who I was told going back to the season when it was still going on that they liked. And I just haven't been told otherwise at this point. See, there you go. Look at Presley. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Love Crocodile Dundee, too, everybody. Come on. <laughs> drug dealers. Like the wimpiest Colombian drug lord of all time right there. 
everybody just kind of getting knocked out and not kills like like the A team. Like you have all this all this action going on and everybody's okay. They just kind of get knocked out. Mark's up next at 239-1070. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Mark, I'm here for you. Are you there for me? Mark, are you there? Check with Mark because I think he's rustling about. Uh, Larry, 239-1070, you give it a go. What's up? Hey, first of all, shout out to the Detroit Lions. I'm a Lions fan. Okay, we're gonna put that out there now. Go ahead. But I'm stuck here in Indianapolis. I have I'm forced to listen to the coach. So therefore, with that being said, yes, the coach are not gonna draft a quarterback. First of all, with the fourth pick, they will probably end up going defense. I do not see the coach picking a quarterback right now. They're not in. You know, they're not ready for a quarterback. You still need wide receivers. You might as well just fix your defense and get, get prepare yourself to get ready for a quarterback in the next couple of years because it's not the time yet for it. Yeah, but listen, I, I still think that they will where we stand right now. But in terms of trading down and trying to get best player available, i.e., I'm sure a defensive player, you know, some sort of edge rusher, I don't know, maybe even a corner, but certainly an edge rusher and then drafting somebody like a Hendon Hooker. I, w- I wouldn't be shocked with that scenario at all, Larry, not no, at all. Definitely, but I don't see no Le- Levis. I don't know what his name is, or C.J. Strauss. I don't see them picking a quarterback with the number four pick at all. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and thanks for the call, Larry. Yeah, until I hear otherwise, I'll stick with it. Did you see this quote from Stephen Holder here? This is from Chris Ballard, who just wrapped up uh, a conversation down at the owners' meetings in Arizona on Lamar Jackson. Quote, this is from Chris Ballard, Colts general manager. Anytime a special player is available, which he is, you've got to do the work. I'm not going to get deep into discussions on where it's at or what we're doing or what we might do. But what I'll tell you is he's a really good player, really special player, but you never know how any of this will work out. Ballard added, but I think any time at that position we have the chance to acquire a guy, you've got to do your work and see if it's doable. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. And while that didn't tell you anything, because that's what you're supposed to do, that will get a desired effect from Colts fans. That's going to give you your Jim Carrey quote, so there's a chance? See, here's what we need is, I don't know, is Jim Irsay talking out there? Do we know that? I think he's talking tomorrow. Because there's there's the truth serum right there. (laughs) That's what we we need that. That'll be, and see, why am I off tomorrow now? That's going to be your humdinger. Because Chris, ha- Chris knows how to maneuver around that stuff. Because really, I mean, all he said is he's going to do his job, and that's what he should be doing. You might be able to tell otherwise with the owner. That's tomorrow, you said, James? I believe so, yes. Right, gotcha. All right, Mike's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Mike. Yeah, I was Mark a while ago. It's Mike. Macho Mike. Oh, hey, Mike. How you doing? Okay. Yell hi, Angel, real quick. Uh, hi, Angel. How are you? She looked at the phone. 
Remember, Teresa, me and Angel, we bless you and Blake and Laney and Thank the you. missus. You know, Teresa will be gone four years next Tuesday. Wow. Keep her in your prayers. Uh, far, and uh, the first good luck wish on a YMCA note, where you talk to Dusty May, tell him Macho Mike wishes him clear from Indianapolis. And remember, Teresa, me and Angel say good luck, and God bless them guys this next weekend. Bless him and the team. Mike, thank you very much for the kind phone call. Yeah, that's interesting right there to me. Again, Chris Ballard saying to those, including Stephen Holder, covering at the owners' meetings, he's saying what you have to say. But that probably does raise the level of, wow, this could happen with Colts fans because you're in that position right now. You want to see this happen. You want to see this winning be expedited. You won't have to wait around. You resigned to the fact that you were going to have to wait around but you would rather not. I mean, hell, we're all that way. That not even in, in terms of just the Colts and football and winning, you're in terms of everywhere, like waiting in lines, all that stuff. There's a reason why I got that sticker on the truck because I, you know, I, I say this all the time. I wash it constantly. There's a reason why I have it on there is because I just want to like drive by and I wash it every day which I don't know if that's too much or not, but I want to drive by and I want to have the gate raise up and I want to drive right in. I don't want to have to wait. I mean, look look at Colts fans in terms of crew car wash and you pay a little bit more to be able to do that. Again, I'm not suggesting this is a possibility. I still think he ends up back in Baltimore, but that what Chris Ballard said within the past hour is not going to hurt the interest in talking about that this is ready made for sports talk radio here quick one we'll come back if you're on hold i'll get to you the head coach of florida atlantic is dusty may top of the hour jake query bottom of the five this is 93.5 and 107.5 the fan Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flatts guy. Got a cool soul patch. Well, he I does, play. and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, there's no doubt that he would be a remedy at quarterback around here. I just think it's still kind of a fairy tale right now. Stephen Holder's got some, again, they're interesting quotes from a standpoint of continuing the conversation in sports talk radio. I don't think it tells you anything different than what you would expect. And I'll do this again for you here. Stephen Holder's out covering for ESPN.com, the owners' meetings in Arizona. And Chris Ballard met with the media earlier today. And the question was asked regarding Lamar Jackson, who unleashed that social media, those tweets earlier today, talking about how he'd asked the Ravens for a trade back on March the 2nd. He really did that at the same time John Harbaugh was meeting with the media, too. Anyway... Chris Ballard, when asked regarding Lamar Jackson, quote, anytime a special player is available, which he is, you've got to do the work. 
I'm not going to get deep in discussions on where it's at or what we're doing or what we might do, but what I'll tell you is he's a really good player, really special player, but you never know how any of this will work out. Ballard added, but I think anytime at that position we have a chance to acquire a guy, you've got to do your work. Do your work on it to see if it's doable. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Now, your takeaway there, all he's doing is answering the question. He's addressing it. But he is not answering it in any fashion in which we would think different. There's not like an oh, wow answer there. Now, if you are incredibly over-the-top pro, the Colts doing it, and you believe they're going to, you'll probably take something from it. I don't take a great deal from it other than you know Ballard answering the question as – should I put this as diplomatically as possible right there, which is in true Ballard form. But what it will do, it will stoke the flames of that conversation around here. Because believe me, you don't want to sit through a longer term, a drafted quarterback long-term rebuild. You want that quick fix, I don't blame you. Because that's what they've been trying. That's one of the reasons why a lot of us were just resigned to the fact you draft somebody because the quick fixes haven't worked. But of those quick fixes, this is definitely a different player in that category. Reggie, take us to the top of the hour. How are you? Man, I'm doing good. This is Homer Reggie, man. I had to call in, man, about that Lions fan. I don't know what he's talking about, man. <laughs> man, me and you know sports. I mean, everybody that call your show don't know sports, but we know sports. We know we sports. We know Miles Turner. Yes. We know the Colts. We know the Pacers. We know the thing. I like Lamar. But Lamar, to me, is going to be expensive, and the rest of the team is not going to be better. We need to draft a quarterback, CJ, like you said. But I'll settle for any of them right about now. We need to draft a quarterback and build on that quarterback and, and build for the future. You know, if some of the guys still want to stay here and win like George Hill stay with, with the Pacers and then buy out, so be it. But I'm tired of the quick fixes because quick fixes ain't ain't working. I'm not happy with the quick fixes. Reggie, you, thank you. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, Reggie, go ahead quickly. I got to run here, but go ahead and finish up. Uh and I'm tired of my Pacers trying to tank. Uh, I want them in a play-in game. I know they're young, but get some playoff experience. <laughs> Have a good one. Reggie, thank you very much. I, I think what what Bucky Brooks said was, you know, a reason why the Colts should have interest is the very reason why ultimately Lamar Jackson will not have availability because, you know, the team that has him, the team that has had him would know that better than anybody else. Quick break, we'll come back. Jay Query, bottom of the hour from Florida Atlantic, the pride of Greene County, just like yours truly, Dusty May, their head coach, joins us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. And then at that point, Billy, your house started to shake, the heavens opened up, and God himself spoke to you and said this, Bob? But my name's Billy. It doesn't matter what your name is. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Bucky Brooks, NFL Network, a little bit earlier. Sonny Vaccaro. Matt Damon plays Sonny Vaccaro in the 
Recently released film Air, Sonny Vaccaro joins us coming up on Thursday. Thursday and Friday on the road. Joe's Grill Thursday opening of the Major League Baseball season. Friday Tavern Tour Stop Whiskey Business, Pendleton Pike, Northeast Side. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, let us all come together as we're all owls again going into this weekend. He is the pride of Greene County, the head coach of Florida Atlantic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. It is Dusty May. Hello, Dusty. How you doing, buddy? Good, John. How are you, man? Oh, I could not be more happy for you. I was absolutely thrilled. And I can tell you this, Dust. I had not been uh, that emotionally wound up about a basketball game in a long time. I was working right next door with my All Requests music show as that game was being played. I had to shut her down for a little bit. I can't lie. I had to shut her down, play a long song, because I was so emotionally invested in that, man. That was special, and that was awesome to feel that way again. (laughs) Well, I'm glad uh, we were able to do that for you, (laughs) John. That's our why. That's why we do it. Thank you. I'm, I was hoping you were thinking about me um, in those uh, free throw shooting situations, and when uh, you know Noel had the uh, ball there at the end with an opportunity to tie. So I was hoping you were thinking about me with that in mind. Yeah, we uh, that, that was a stressful situation when the ball's in his hands. We put five guards in and uh, just wanted to force a tough, difficult shot. Unfortunately, he gave it up and, and never got a back. I knew this. Did you ever yeah, think? He's a ball player. Did you ever think about fouling in that situation? No, we typically don't, John, to be honest. And, and I, I know, uh, for whatever reason, there's such a media slant towards the, the answer to winning that situation is foul. Um, we've usually defended over the course of time, depending on how good of a rebounding team we have. Um, especially we're switchable, we're quick. I think the, the, the data actually has tilted like 51% uh, towards not fouling to fouling, despite the, I guess, media personalities being about 99% to one. Yeah, well, they were certainly talking about it there. I, I, I thought that you got the best of both worlds, Dusty. I mean, you did. Uh, and you, your guys came out, and you, you wanted clearly to get the ball out of his hands. And we were all shocked that he gave it up. But he, he did it ab- absolutely, I'm assuming, what you wanted defensively in that situation. Absolutely. And they have to go full core. And we thought, at best case scenario, he shoots a 35-footer with, with guys draped all over him. Um, I, I think there's more risks than people realize with Fallon. If he goes into shooting motion and you foul him, then he gets three, three free throws. There's just a lot of a lot of scenarios, and and especially the fact that like we're not a really big team, so free throw rebounds sometimes can be difficult just because of uh, of sheer size. Well, and I've always said this, Dusty. I actually talked to Matt Painter about this before the start of the tournament. There is nothing, I, I think, in basketball in general on, on all levels now as an offensive rebound kickout to a step-in three-pointer, which has become a layup to nearly everybody now playing basketball. No question, John. We've actually we've actually done it several times where we even, even – you know, I think the, a lot of teams kind of under seven or eight seconds – uh, you're going to miss on purpose for about nine or ten seconds a few times. I know Miami at home last year, we missed the, the free throw early, tipped it out, made a three, tied it up. Unfortunately, they went down and hit a, a buzzer beating uh, game-winning shot at the buzzer. But it was a, a similar situation where we were able to tip it out and, and, and almost force it into overtime. So, uh, But like I said, I think that the analytics say it's actually 51 to 49 is in favor of not fouling. But 
um, it's weird how just the, the, the perception is skewed so far in one direction. Was there a point on the floor where you wanted uh, your guards to uh, come out and, and double him? Was that what you told him? Uh, no, we wanted to switch up aggressively because the role guys had actually made a couple shot threes before that to put them in that position. The, um, the, the wing cam had, had made a pull-up three off the bounce. And then Masood is one of the better shooters in the country if he's got a sweet set. So we just wanted to switch, press up, and force a tough shot. Um, and and uh, if he would have been able to squeeze one off, he would have been almost a half court under duress. So, um, you know, it, it would have been a prayer if he made one. So Dusty Mays, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, that uh, national – semifinal is the first one being played down in Houston on Saturday. They match up with San Diego State. I want to get to that in in just a second, too. I um, When the opposing head coach comes to the locker room afterwards and says, you know, under what is incredible emotional situations after just losing that game, says what he says about your team, how does that make you feel? Well, to be honest, John, we've had a lot of coaches this year after games talk to, to the staff or to our team and just and tell them that how together they are, how hard they play, how unselfish, you know, all the adjectives you want to be to describe your team. Uh, Rick Barnes had, had said something very similar in the handshake line after the, in, in the, the Thursday night game. So, you know, he wanted to say it to our team. I've known Coach Tang for a long, long time, so we appreciated the kind words, but um, you know, we, we, we've got that a lot this year because of how, of how our guys act. The one thing that I'm, I'm spreading the word around here regarding the Owls, uh, you probably have, have noticed a little bit, there are a lot more Owl fans than certainly there used to be, especially here in, in central Indiana because we're spreading the word. And I remember in our, our initial conversation where you're in the midst of that 20-game win streak back during the regular season, you talked about how your guys can handle themselves, um, you know, can police themselves, can, you know, can coach themselves to a degree. Um you trust them in doing that. And Dusty, honestly, in watching so many games, especially in some of these incredibly emotional tight situations, you can see that because they seem unflappable in, in terms of situations you get in, like the other night when there could be a difference here or there, you know, in going to a final four, it seems like that your guys either on the sideline or in the game are cool, calm and collected, just like their head coach. <laughs> Well, I, I, hopefully I, I've had something to do with it. But these guys, they've learned how to win. They have a lot of confidence and faith in each other. And because we've had this group together, we've been able to practice a lot more special situations and talk through more situations where if you have a new team, you're still working on terminology and, and the basics just to try to get to the point where you're in close games. I think just because we've been together so long, we know all of what we want to do. And now we can we can be a little more advanced with having more press breakers and more zone offenses and, and more things like that. And so, you know, I'd I like to I like to think that's, a, that's a, a part of it. But also, these guys are just really confident and they believe and they love to compete. So they're never scared of the moment. It's uh, Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic. Uh, are you, this is probably something Dusty you'll realize once all this is is over. But have you realized it, to a degree how much of an effect you've had on? so many with with this run with this team this season where you are right now you know in the state of indiana and certainly locally where we grew up has that been something you've been able to notice not really i've, I've noted well it, now when our team we walked through the airport we landed in new york we sent the team back on the charter after the, the columbus ohio first two rounds and we're in LaGuardia in new york and 
everyone in the airport recognizes our guys. And that was at the, that's when we were in the Sweet 16. So I, I always enjoyed the, the living in South Florida and, and being anonymous. And that, that's out the window now. So, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm a homebody. I'm pretty private. I love coaching ball. I love being around our guys and our families and then going home and, and just being uh, dusty from Green County. But uh, that's all changed. But I, I'm sure later on it it hit me. But like I told Sophie, when you're in the eye of the storm, you're in it. You're only focused on what's next. There's not really time to reflect on anything. You're just trying to, to stay above water now. Yeah, that's you've got so much going on. That's that's incredible. Like I give you a great example. It, they're having a watch party for you at Eastern Green in the gym on Saturday night. Come on. No, I blank uh, you not. That's, they are. That's, that's big time. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Plus, I get a call from Mike Pittman and David Hayes and Robbie Hudson saying you want to jump in and drive down to Houston with us. And I said, I don't know if I have enough bail money to do that. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, so, we'll we'll, uh, we'll see you down there then. It sounds like you got a plan. Yeah. Well, there's a plan. There's for sure. I. All right. Speaking of plans, that's a good segue. You have Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic. Um, is this how much of this is? It has to be so difficult because it is such a quick turnaround to do this and to have success in doing this and I guess to a degree if you're somebody that goes over and I know that you do coaching wise absolutely everything is that quick turnaround been more difficult or has the fluidity of it all been something you felt you and your team have been able to adapt to in this tournament well John I I talk about a lot the randomness of winning and we've been very fortunate that that matchups our league, certain things have prepared us for quick turns. For example, um, we all know how, how, how good Noel is as a player. Well, he's very similar to three or four guards we had faced, including Kendrick Davis from Memphis a week prior. So we usually just try to, to, to in order to chunk the information, we just refer back to other guys and other teams that we play because our league is big, strong, physical. UAB's a lot like Tennessee. So we were able to just really do almost mimic the UAB scattering port and mindset for Tennessee and Memphis was, was uh, Memphis and Kansas state were very similar where they had a, a four, three, who's a matchup nightmare and Keontae Johnson and Deandre Williams from, from Memphis. And then they both had dynamic guards that could go get 30 or 40 points. Now, Noel, he could score and facilitate better than all of them, but it's at least something that's comparable. So we do feel like our league, the situations, the timing, all helped prepare us for those moments. And then we played Antoine Davis to get ready for the elite guards in our league. So um, we have been we have been lucky, I guess, uh, with, with some of the, the matchups and things like that. All right, Dusty, what do you think about San Diego State in that game coming up on Saturday? What in, in, impressed you about what they did against Creighton and what they've done with Brian Dutcher and company to get where they are? I think they're a lot like us where they, they find a way to win and they're tough. They're strong. They're disciplined. They're well-schooled. They know who they are. They they play in their strengths, all the things that you say about teams that usually win year in, year out. And that that's who they are. They, they rarely have a down year. They're consistent with, with, with excellence. So it, a number of challenges, they're going to be extremely difficult to score on just because of how physical, how well they guard the ball. And, and they have a, the two-time Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year, anchoring, anchoring their defense in the middle. Yeah, it. Um, I was impressed 
with the way that they hung with it. Really, when you think about it, too, their path. It's it, we kind of often think about, at least in terms of questions, Dusty, that I ask on here and talk about is you know in terms of uh, what has been most recent. But you go back to you know the, the path to get here has. You know, I think your path has been incredibly impressive, and certainly so is theirs. You have to play tough games. You have signature moments to get to where you are right now, and and certainly San Diego State has that. Absolutely, they. Uh, I mean, Kawhi Leonard. They've had so many guys, but for them to do it to Creighton, what they were able to do, hold those guys under sixty yeah. points. I don't people watch Creighton much. They offensively, they're elite, and their coach is, is brilliant. Uh, so for them to do what they did to Creighton it lets us know that we need to bring our best game or, or we'll be leaving before Monday night. How's that dynamic working at all in South Florida? How far is Coral Gables from Boca Raton? It's about 45 miles, so it could be up to about 17 hours. In South Florida <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, Wait a minute. It's 45 Seven, miles. 17 miles, that's like from Jasonville to Bloomfield. No, it's no, not like that? No. It's 45 miles, so it's, it's basically one side of Greene County to the other. But it's, it, 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 it would take longer than, than driving, probably from the from uh, the, the, the Louisville, the, the river in Louisville to, uh, to I don't know, Elkhart or South Bend. <laughs> it, takes, it takes a while to get down there, but it's not far in distance. Have you uh, talked at all with Jim Laranega about two South Florida schools getting to the Final Four? We have. We've exchanged texts and also exchanged some texts with Jim Crutchfield at Nova Southeastern. They just won the Division II National Championship going undefeated, and they're about 20 minutes away from us. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great time to be, uh, to be coaching hoops in South Florida. And normally it's just a great time to be down there in general, right, hanging out because you get the great weather, and now you, you, know, you, you get basketball in, into it as well. I, I, um, I'm kind of curious, and this is something, again, we'll talk about when all this is, is over. But the effect that is, it's great that the spotlight is on you and you're winning and, you know, all this is happening. But the, the effect that the world we live in in college basketball right now to where it's so easy to transfer. And I know, you know, you got your guys and everybody is, is on board with one another. Is that at all after the season going to be a worry because there's been much of a spotlight and you get so much of a level of transfer portal poaching that is going on is that a major concern of yours as far as the future i don't want to say it's a major concern it's always a concern we, you know every guy we've lost to the portal we feel like we've been able to go out and replace him with someone uh just as good if not better so we you know we have a lot of confidence in what we do and how we do it and it may not continue to be true but we feel like that right now but we also feel like we provide a great uh, environment a platform for our guys to, to achieve their goals and dreams so um we are worried about it, but it's not something that, that keeps me up at night. You know, if, if a guy does want to leave for, for greener pastures, then, then you know, and I'll give him a hug and tell him I'll help him with whatever's next and, and support him. We had a couple guys leave last year because they wanted to play more. and uh, We turned their games on in our conference rooms on the road, and our, our players are cheering for them and, and everything that goes with it. So, you know, it's, it's not life or death. You know, these guys sometimes do things that they think are best for them. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But I do think our guys, are they know exactly what they're going to get here and what kind of environment it's going to be. So we have a lot to sell to our own guys. To somebody that doesn't know how this works, do you think your guys are getting recruited up by others right now? John, I would say there's, there's players on every roster at every level, Division One, Division Two, that are being recruited in some way, shape, or form by someone else. It's, and it's not even the other schools at times. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But it, it might be a third party 
he's trying to put a kid in the portal so he can get a commission on an NIL deal or whatever the case. There's there's all types of reasons. Or it's a, it's a high major player that's not playing a lot and he's got low and mid-major coaches reaching out to his people saying, hey, he'll play 35 minutes a game here. So it, it is what it is. And if, if that's what a player wants to do, then that's his right. And and you, you got to keep him moving. you got to move on. I mean, it, it, there's no point in sitting and complaining about all this stuff. It is what it is. We either adapt or we die. And, uh, you know, you, like I said, you got to put your guys in the best situation for them and you and just trust that it's going to work out. What is this financially doing for FAU and your basketball program? It's getting better, uh, exponentially better. <laughs> it's been great for the amount of people that's gotten involved for what it's doing for our university as a whole, athletic department, especially our program. Is this, this, a, this, was a, this was the moment we needed, John. This, this year, we've only been a basketball program since the late 80s. We're, we're not a 150-year-old land-grant university. We're a new, a new school. So we've never had a moment that would captivate a community, an audience, and, and now we have. Did you think that, listen, you and I have talked both privately and on this show about what you thought about this group. But is this what we're seeing right now? Is this what you had in mind the entire time? Did you think that this ultimately was a reachable goal for you and this group? Never thought about this. Just wanted to, to win our league, put ourselves in the best position possible to make the NCAA tournament, and then you get in and uh, you try to make a run at it. You know, there's no point in, in thinking about our goal to win five games or six games in the tournament. Let's get there. Let's make some noise and, and uh, see what happens. It's just, there's just too many different scenarios with injuries and breaks and whatnot. But I know this. I'm so impressed with our guys, how they've just showed up and not been phased one bit by the pressure or the spotlight or the expectations. They just they love to compete and lay it on the line and trust that that's going to be enough. And and as our record shows, it usually is. Hey, you're right about that. And you could tell. That's why I said a little bit earlier. With what you explained, how your team is and the makeup of your team, you have seen it. People have seen it. What you explained to people around here, they've seen it, especially when they've been fully paying attention in the past couple of weeks. Man, that's that's some special stuff right there, Dusty. Oh, John, they, they, these guys have it, man. They've got that special sauce, and uh, they believe it. They believe it. So, Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, are you allowing yourself at all to soak this up and enjoy it, or is it just from one interview to the next, preparing your team from one situation to the next year? But do you get a chance to, to soak it up at all? No, not at all. It's pretty cool meeting all the people. that I've been on Jim Rome show three times, and I remember growing up, you, you watched The Jungle, man. That guy is dynamic <laughs> as, as a media personality. Yeah, so it's been, I was on Rich Eisen this morning, and, and just, to, just to be on all these guys, you grew up watching SportsCenter yeah. and have people reaching out on, through Twitter and Instagram that I idolize. You know, Bill Self asked me if I want to go to dinner this week. So, you know, I think he's probably the best in the game when it comes to coaching ball. So it's been really cool because it's opened up new doors and avenues for our staff and our program to learn from more people and, and get access to, to those who do this thing at a high level. So that's been the coolest part for me. So back when you're playing little league at Eastern and, and you uh, pissed and moaned about my, strike, like yeah, about my strike, yeah, about my strike zone, you pissed and moaned about my strike zone and I'm, you know, a college freshman and you're, did you ever imagine that you and I would be on a radio show talking about you coaching it up in the final four? I'm sure that's something you thought about then, right? When you're complaining about well, my, my strike zone. 
Well, if I remember correctly, it wasn't just the strikes. It was the fact that you had a, a foot-long hot dog in one hand and a big red in the other trying to trying to umpire game. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know if I represent that well. No, seriously, you're right about that. <laughs> you're right about that. I, I, I think about that, and I think about all that morning basketball. You know, we did with yeah. with Mark Barnheiser and you know Reed and. And Hardesty and, the, you know, the guys in, in your class as well. I, I see bre- people breaking out old Hoosier basketball magazines with, you know, your your mugshot-looking picture in there that you took before that and, uh, you know, Oakland City stuff and all that. It, um, I, I'm telling you what, it makes those moments, I think, extra special to the level in which you've reached right now. Does it not? Well, hopefully they're not breaking out any box scores, John. My numbers weren't great. <laughs> a lot of nights. So. <laughs> no, but it, it's really cool. I just think back and how much uh, being a, growing up in, in Greene County in the Bloomington area, and, and obviously Coach Barnheiser's in, in influence on all of us. How much we love the game, love to compete. Our work ethic was formed through hoops uh, in our families, obviously. But yeah, just so many things. Just really, really proud to, to grow up in an environment where there was so much energy and intense and excitement for this game. And, and no doubt, uh, you know, I, I've tried to bring that to South Florida, you know, just how important the game is. Uh, you take bits and pieces away from everywhere you've been, whether it was USC or Eastern Michigan or Murray or UAB or, or Louisiana tech. I mean, it's a special relationship. And I, I'm assuming for you, uh, you'll get a chance to think about that again when this is is all over. But man, it is—it's a part of the journey that makes it even extra special yeah. to where you are right now, isn't it? Yeah, John, and, and I guess the the one uh, part that I can really sit back and, and reflect on is is watching your guys cut down the nets and seeing how happy they are for each other's success, your for your players, and then also being able to share it with your wife and kids. Where if it wasn't for Anna, there's no way I would be able to even even support myself. In, in my entry-level coaching positions that I had. She supported me, uh, paid the rent, and, and uh, always worked full-time raising the boys. So, uh, very, and then also, you know, we upper our, our three kids, move schools, daycare centers, jobs, everything that goes with it so I can chase my dream. And now for them to be able to experience this and have the level of pride they do in our program has been really cool for me because, you know, we, we, drag, we drag them around uh, a lot and, and uproot them in their lives. So very, very those are probably the coolest moments, just watching our guys and, and my family, my mom and everybody just enjoy those moments. I also will say this because I'm paying attention to what's going on back where we grew up. I mean, you talk about bringing everybody together, not just where we went to, to school at Eastern, but, you know, in and around, as you mentioned, Bloomington and Greene County, watching everybody come together and have that common sports bond with you and your success. I, I think that is really cool, man. I do. No question. That's that's what sports does, John. It's, it can bring a lot of people together from all different backgrounds all over the world. So th- this group we have, is, they're so special. They've been able to do that uh, w- with groups all over the country. I was on the air on Saturday night, as I mentioned earlier. My mom called me like five different times in the second half. She called me once to tell me she saw Joni cheering. Uh, and then <laughs> I said, yeah, no, it's right here. I'm working right here. It's right here. Um, it's, here it is. Uh, she told me <laughs> she saw Dustin, but this is the best part, man. So when you guys are playing Tennessee, I'm watching and I see Dustin, Dustin Hayes sitting there with his hat on. And literally he was like bush hogging next to my mom's house a day before. 
and, and then the next day, he's sitting, you know, right there close to you at Madison Square Garden, watching yeah. your team beat Tennessee. That that was surreal to me, right there. I, I called him last night and I said, "Wait a minute, you were just bush hogging like you know, forty eight yeah. hours or so ago." And it's amazing this run. And you mentioned Jim Rome and being on these national shows. Anybody else reach out to you that um, you thought was pretty cool? Yeah, Brad Stevens has been a great sounding board, obviously, being through this process. Um, Doug LeBoff, who's an author that I, I read all of his books and, and, and really studied him. He, he's an educator who actually graduated from, from – he got his master's from IU. So there's been a lot of people like that. And obviously, Coach Knight's family, Pat and Tim, have reached out and people like that. So it, it's, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's uh, Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic. As I mentioned, we are all owls as they take on San Diego State. That is the first of two national semifinals down in Houston coming up on Saturday. So what do you think about this opportunity I have? So it's Mike Pittman, it's Robbie Hudson, and it's David Hayes, and it's like 13-hour drive. You think I got it in me here for this? Yeah, you got to live dangerously. Jump in. Jeez, I don't know, man. I don't know. I've been talking to this stuff before, and we all get in trouble, everybody but David Hayes. That's what happens. He finds a way out. He's slippery. <laughs> He's slippery. Hey, my best of the family. We're really proud of you, brother. You know that. Thanks. And Thanks, uh, go out there and get you some on uh, Saturday night, and uh, we'll talk when all this is over. We'll talk at length a little bit more about how awesome this has been. But uh, really proud of you. Congratulations, man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, Dusty May right there, the head coach of Florida Athletic, Florida Atlantic, Florida Athletic, Florida Atlantic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, I was going to mention. I think that's where Athletic came in. He talked about the athleticism of his team, and you certainly have seen that. You saw that against Tennessee. You saw that in what became an up and down game against Kansas State the other night, and they have just been able to hang and make plays and get through it. They got down seven or eight against Kansas State the other night, and I thought, well, I don't know. This is a danger territory, and next minute and a half, they're right back in it. Down one, tied, up one. They have had an answer for every situation. And again, the reaction that it gets, you got to keep in mind where I'm from I know the Redneck Audubon is down there right now. That's a big deal. But where I'm from, there's not a lot that goes on down there. This is incredibly special for not just where I grew up, but the the entire county in the area. Whether you want to talk about some of Lawrence County, some of Monroe County, Owen County. It's a big deal down there. Man, it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome to see all this evolve. Quick break. We'll come back. Dusty May on a podcast. It's 107.5thefan.com. Bucky Brooks a little bit earlier, NFL Network. Jake Query is going to join us, the co-host of the morning show. Jake and you and me next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. No Halliburton or Turner tonight. 
Mavericks, Pacers, Gambridge Fieldhouse. Tip time, 7, 6.30. Coverage begins here. That means after 6, we'll have a little bit of anything goes for you. Tomorrow, I'm out. I got to go down and take care of some stuff. Yeah, literally, my mom was calling me while I was on the air the other night during that Florida Atlantic game, you know, telling me all the people that she can see behind the bench that she knows. Like, Wait a minute. Hold on a second. But no, nah, it's been pretty cool. Hello, anything goes for you again tonight till about 6.20 and then uh, Mavericks Pacers from Cambridge Fieldhouse on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Morning Show co-host along with Kevin Bowen. This is Jake Query who joins us now. Did you have a little tutoring going on this afternoon? I did. Thanks for being uh, flexible there, John. I apologize for delaying you for an hour, but yeah, a little uh, month left of the math class from hell and then I'm done. So done and done. That's right. Not that I'm counting. Now, I don't understand this. Yeah. The final is May 3rd and commencement is May 10th. Yeah. Now that seems like an awfully quick turnaround. If I bomb the final, do they say, you know what? We've already gotten your deposit on your cap and gown, but you, you flunked the final. So no go. Or is this just me being old and having figured out what I would not have realized when I was like 21? I, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't like the quick turnaround because I, I want, I probably want a little cushion effect in case something goes haywire, maybe a little makeup time, right? <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah. You think? Yeah. A, little, yeah. a bit of a tightrope you got right there. But I, listen, I give you full credit. I wouldn't be, there is no way in the world I want to open another book in this capacity. So full credit for you right there. Well, actually, John, and I appreciate that. Um, but just to put a bow tie on it, I guess, I think you know this, but others may not. Uh, you actually cracked that door open for me because it was just before I started on the morning show, I was on with you, and we were talking IU football, and you, you referenced me as an IU graduate, which I understand. I mean, And I said, well, I didn't graduate from there. I went to school there, but I never graduated because I left early. Like I think I had 19 hours left. And it was then that the Indiana Department for Higher Education reached out to me and said, look, there are a lot of people in your situation, and we'd like to get the word out that you can always finish. And so that's when I contemplated it and said, all right, let's do it. And, um, you know, it's not like I've been sitting there taking 20-hour semesters. I lost some hours in the, in the transfer over and switching it around and all that. Not transfer over, you know what I mean, over 30 years. So um, so anyway, it's been – I've enjoyed it. I haven't necessarily enjoyed the math, but I do like my tutor a great deal. And, um, you know, it keeps me awake in the afternoon. So I guess that's good. It's uh, Jake Query with us. I just talked to Dusty May, Florida Atlantic's head coach they're going to the final four you got miami san diego state and uconn also in this has this tournament been as interesting as usual more interesting or less interesting considering the teams that we're looking at in houston this weekend it's a really good question i I think it's more interesting because of what it represents but perhaps less interesting to the outside viewer that is used to seeing the kansas kentucky carolina you know duke names but I think it's more interesting because it represents kind of a shift in college basketball. Now, how permanent that remains or how permanent that is remains to be seen. But, you know, when you look at Florida, you know, Florida Atlantic, obviously, and you always have teams like that, you know, that's not unusual. I mean, you saw Wichita State breakthrough. Butler certainly comes to mind. But a, a team like Miami, you know, that, that has always been a decent program. They're in a big, a big conference, but to use the NIL money to go out to get transfers, to, to piece things together. 
I think we're going to see more of that, John. I really do. I mean, I, you know, NCAA basketball now has kind of become free agency. I don't think there's any secret about that. Um, so I think this represents a potential shift. Now, maybe next year the Final Four is, you know, Kansas, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Duke. <laughs> but, but I do think in that aspect – the curveballs that have come with it and some of the big boys getting bounced is pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I do. And especially because I, I obviously got one that's that's certainly more interesting than the others. But yeah, I don't mind it when it's like this either. And you're right. I, I mean, this is a combination, right, of a, a COVID extra season. This is a combination of, you know, NIL. There's a lot that has ultimately affected this. Plus, you know, kind of the same old thing that we've known for a while now, just how a high level of guard play, as we've seen across the board with these four remaining teams, has been the most important aspect of the makeup of a team. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, it, it's fitting that, to your point, I mean, the COVID year, the transfers, all that, in, in guards, 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 right? So it's fitting that Miami is in there because it is kind of, depending on which side of the coin you're on, the perfect or imperfect storm for it to be this, you know, you can't say unprecedented out of whack because back when Butler made it 2011, you had a higher accumulation of seeds in there. But, John, look, I agree with you. And, and this was the problem lack of a better word, for Purdue and Indiana this year or the challenge they were going to face. Both of them were really good, and both of them had outstanding college basketball players. But they were anchored down low. And if you look at the teams that are left, now Connecticut obviously has a really good big man, but fast, furious, hectic pace guards that play under control despite looking like they're not under control, I mean, that's that's where we're headed now, right? I mean, San Diego State can guard the heck out of you. But And all those teams are quick. But I just think the one thing, you know, college basketball guards, man, it's like cornerbacks in the NFL. Your team cannot have enough of them. Uh, if, you, if you got five, you might as well have ten. Uh, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, and that's you – know, Florida Atlantic has a ton of guards, and they go deep. And, you know, that's one of the things that we'll talk about after this season because now these guys all get under the spotlight and you wonder – you know, how many of these guys are going to, to get poached or recruited out with a, a, you know, NIL money that maybe FAU is not going to be able to match because they've made a lot of money and they have grown, you know, that, you know, the basketball program, they have grown that financially, but it is still, uh, compared to what others have to offer, that's still going to be difficult. We'll see if... Uh, there's any poaching going on at the end of this year from what is a deep team, most of which is coming back next year. Yeah, I mean, isn't that funny? I mean, to think honestly that, you know, typically with the transfer stuff, it's like, hey, you're getting a guard out of Towson or, you know, East Tennessee or things like that. You know, a guy that averaged 24 a game in, in the, the Sun Belt. And now all of a sudden to think that – and so, I mean, that, that – goes along with what I'm about to say, but to think that the teams that, that you want to poach because they're at championship level are non-power fives, I mean, it used to be the other way around. I, listen, the thing that I think is really fascinating, and I know that it makes me old by saying this, but that I also have hesitation with, is are we heading into that, that area of just free agency college basketball where a guy has four years of eligibility and plays at four different schools? 
I, I mean, and, and I've wondered about this, John. Let me, let me throw this one at you. I have no idea how this works. If you play three years at, uh, we'll just say, for lack of a better phrase, uh, you know, Ohio State. So if you play three years at Ohio State and you got a year of eligibility left, and you go ahead and announce you're transferring, and you play your last year at Princeton. Do you get a degree from Princeton? Like, how awesome would that be? That that can't be, academically speaking, that can't be the case, right? Well, you trans, I mean, do you transfer your your credits to try to get a degree from Princeton? Do you further your degree that you get from Ohio State at Princeton? I, I yeah. guess I'd have to know the scenario. Yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that, that even with athletic, you know, even with athletics being in play, you would have to have a certain percentage of your hours be from Princeton and you wouldn't be eligible, I wouldn't right. think. But I don't know. Otherwise, man, <laughs> otherwise, Princeton, Stanford, Duke, and Northwestern better load up in the transfer portal, right? Like Vanderbilt. <laughs> all of a sudden, Vanderbilt's got seven fifth-year seniors that are all going to graduate from Vanderbilt that – Started like somewhere at Ohio U. Hell yeah! Sign if you watch the, the the there's a transfer portal report where you can see and it's it's pretty close to to up to the minute. And it, it's funny. I looked at it last week, and at one point in an hour during the day, it it, it had a transfer reported five minutes prior, fifteen minutes prior, twenty five minutes prior. I mean, it was. It was it was like just a, a endless wheel of announcements of those entering the transfer portal. It was amazing it to like, see. It's like watching Plinko. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like where a guy's going is like watching his Plinko board. Hey, I think the uh, Lamar Jackson stuff kind of happened in social media while you guys were on today. Do you think that changes the dynamic around here? of interest and Chris Ballard was asked that question today and you know kind of does what Chris Ballard does he says you know you always have to look but you know it um you, know, you, you have to see and check and if it's doable or whatever but do you think what Lamar Jackson said obviously to enhance his situation uh with with Baltimore and kind of you know throw the ball back at them a little bit do you think that also enhances an opportunity for the Colts or you believe that it's still very much so against all odds where they could get somebody like that here's the thing against all odds you know I, I don't know but my thought process in this I would think this would be Chris Ballard's process thought process my thought process would somewhat be and this is the way I always analyze it, John. Look at Baltimore. Baltimore was good. And I know that Lamar Jackson was hurt. And that roster still was able to get them in position to, to get into the playoffs, even though Lamar Jackson didn't play because he was hurt. Is Baltimore's roster superior to Indianapolis's? Probably, based on that. If Lamar Jackson was healthy, was Baltimore a Super Bowl contender? I don't even know that you would say they would. And so if they have a superior supporting cast and you put Lamar Jackson into that superior supporting cast and they still aren't a Super Bowl contender, then why would Indianapolis be by adding Lamar Jackson? And that's after you have to give up assets to acquire him and commit yourself financially in an area that we know that Chris Ballard doesn't necessarily want to do. By, it, it certainly Jim Mercer doesn't to committing guaranteed long-term big time money. I would, I, I think he, he's a, he's a, he is undoubtedly 
an intriguing talent, but I don't know that they necessarily go out of their way to try to acquire him. Well, and listen, I don't expect that whatsoever, but I will say this. There are, there are people out there, and I don't blame them, who have been resigned to the fact that they're going to draft and then you know rebuild to a degree with that drafted quarterback that would much rather have somebody that's a former MVP even coming in you know not finishing out the past two seasons with that possibility of what he can do with their new head coach that had worked with you know somebody at least in the the vicinity the ballpark of level of talent of Lamar Jackson, and it would give a level of interest to right now people that I mentioned that are kind of resigned to a rebuild and may not find entering 2023 all that interesting. That would change the dynamic without question right there. And and the other part about it is I'm not suggesting this is going to happen at all. I still think that they're going to draft Will Levis, and a lot of people disagree with that, and that's okay. But to me, that that is something that changes everything. Now, maybe not making them a you know, longer into the postseason contender, but with within the AFC South and certainly starting with a level of interest around here, I, I don't think they could do anything in the draft right now that can match it. Well, I will tell you this. I, I am in total agreement with you that I think Will Levis is the guy that most intrigues them. And until I hear differently, and, and I, I want to make clear, I'm not sitting here saying that anybody within the organization has told me this. That that would be a false statement. But I, but people that I think are pretty dialed in have indicated to me that it is their belief that Will Levis is the guy that they are honing in on. Now, Chris Ballard may be driving home right now thinking this guy has no idea what he's talking about. That, that's maybe some truth to that. I don't know that anybody knows right now exactly what Chris Ballard's thinking. But, John, I truly believe – that they are going to draft a quarterback at four. I don't think they want to give up assets and then let Gardner Minshew take some reps and tutor along that quarterback and see where it falls and let the thing play out organically. I I do. I just don't think, I think, let me ask you this, John. Don't you believe that at their core, Jim Mersey and Chris Ballard are aware that this team is not a quarterback this year away from competing. They have to know that, right? They have to know that the re- that the best course of action for them is to basically just say, you know what, we've got to just go ahead, bite the bullet, finally take a quarterback to groom and take our chances starting in three years for a three- to seven-year window. I, I will tell you, you this. Deep down, they have to think that. Yeah, I I think that that if if it was reasonable, and I just don't think it's reasonable because I think that he goes back to Baltimore in a capacity, and I think all this conversation we're having is probably going to be just yeah, just I, lost I conversation. But I, I think if there would be a scenario that Jim Irsay felt that they could reasonably bring Lamar Jackson here, I think he would be all for it because what outweighs all else in terms of the Colts owner is all these broken promises that he has on the table 
I don't think really he wants to have to go through another prolonged losing season. If there was a way to quick fix this in the now and then to get longer-term results from a guy like Lamar Jackson on this team at quarterback, I think he would be all for it. I just don't view it as a, as we sit here and talk about it, Jake, right now, reasonable. No disagreement. And I realize that, like, it's probably in the best interest of radio for us to disagree on this, but I, I, I can't in this case. I mean, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I just think I, – look, I think Lamar Jackson is a tremendous talent. I, I, I mean, I don't think – I think anybody would be a fool to, to see him anything other than that. And truth be told, I think his acumen as a passing quarterback has probably been not even properly looked at because of the fact that he is so dynamic with his legs. However – you know, the the odds are that he is going to have some injury issues moving forward. No knock on him at all. Just that's the reality of the National Football League, especially when it's already shown a precedent for it. And I, I do think he's – in the end, do I think Baltimore is – he, is he doing a power play here? Maybe. And maybe he, he ends up staying in Baltimore. I don't think they would trade him to the AFC, quite frankly. I mean, if they're going to – that's the other thing we haven't talked about. I yeah. mean, if he's – if he's requesting a trade, fine. Then if you're Baltimore, don't you send him to I, I well, don't know who it would be in the NFC, but I I just don't I, yeah, I don't I don't look at this as it's great for sports talk conversations we're having as you'll have tomorrow morning. I just don't think uh, there's much of a reasonable circumstance to believe that in actuality that could happen. Hey big fella, I got to run here, but uh, I appreciate you. We'll do it again next week and your pal Derek Schultz is in for me coming up tomorrow, so thank him for that, too. All right, will do, John. Always a pleasure. Thanks for being flexible today. You got it, buddy. Jake Quarry, The Morning Show. Kevin and Quarry, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. John Mayer tickets could be coming for you on the other side. Listen to win. 93.5107. Find The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, we got about 20 minutes here on the clock to do some Anything Goes, if you guys wouldn't mind to. Uh, number, that's just me over here, I think. 239-1070, you call and we'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. I got to thank, and I don't know who it is out there, uh, because Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports actually... After FAU won on Saturday, I uh, decided to search Eastern Green High School and came up with their Wikipedia page and mentioned that how many times have you ever seen a high school with only one notable alum, <laughs> which I got to thank a lot of you, a friend Greg, a lot of you out there that voiced your displeasure on the omission of your good friend and host of this show every afternoon and the host of the JMV Takeover every Saturday night. Um, And then somebody decided to go ahead and put it up there for me. Thank you. (laughs) I love it. And Dan Wetzel was nice about it too, by the way. 
But the Wikipedia page, and I was just alerted to this yesterday, reads as follows. Eastern Green High School is a high school in the eastern part of Green County, Indiana. Even though it's addressed to Bloomfield, the school is physically 12 and a half miles away among several unincorporated communities, which are much close uh, to being alike here. Cincinnati, and not Cincinnati, Ohio, Cincinnati, Indiana, or also known as Little, I-L, or I should say L-I-L, Little Cincinnati. Owensburg, that's where I'm from. Salisbury, and Hobbyville. Um, also not recognized here would be Eastern Heights, Ridgeport, Colleen, <laughs> Hendricksville. So there are like three others that have not been mentioned. But somebody, somebody decided to make me a notable alum so thank you guys for that. That's very kind. <laughs> Owensburg is located in southeastern Green County, the southern border of Martin County. Actually, Martin County would be really close to where I grew up if Crane didn't sit there and you had to go all the way around it to get to Martin County. True story. But uh, thanks to whoever did that, and thanks to Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports for pointing that out. And they are having a watch party at Eastern Green High School on the gymnasium on Saturday for Dusty and FAU. Dusty May a little bit earlier, podcast 1075thefan.com. Bucky Brooks, and where he thinks that the Colts should take a legitimate cut at Lamar Jackson here. That podcast up as well. And Jake Query just joined us. 1075thefan.com. You can find all those podcasts. For me tomorrow, Derek Schultz in. I am out. I'll be back with you on Wednesday. And we got a busy week later on this week. Sonny Vaccaro. Again, Matt Damon plays that role of Sonny Vaccaro in air. Sonny Vaccaro on the show on Thursday. I think Doug Bowles is going to join us where we are. We're going to be at Joe's Grill on Thursday for the opening of the Major League Baseball season. Because I'm assuming that Doug Bowles has a Carb Day announcement. Actually, I'm sure that Doug Bowles will have a Carb Day announcement. Who's going to entertain? Uh, That's on Thursday. And then on Friday, our Tavern Tour stop with Heaven Hill Distillery. We're going to be on the northeast side, Pendleton Pike, that location of Whiskey Business on Friday. So busy week for us all together. All right, meantime, anything goes at 239-1070. Let's start with Jay. Hello, Jay. How are you? Yes, Jay from the north side of Indy. Jay, did you hear your Eye of the Tiger request get rolled? That was awesome. I loved Carl Weathers' intro. Yeah, you like the Apollo Creed intro into it? Yeah, that's when he was talking. He was talking Balboa into getting back into the ring with Clubber Lang and Rocky Three. Absolutely. I like when he says, there is no tomorrow, right? <laughs> I like it when they frolicked in the surf in Southern California. Oh, yeah. When Rocky once but, again found his speed. They frolicked and embraced in the surf. That was pretty special. But I wanted to point out to you, I saw at the 54th and Keystone Myers today a photo cutout of Stu Robinson from IU. Oh, really? 
And I acted like he was signing autographs. I said, I didn't know Stu was going to be here today. <laughs> I was high-fiving and talking to Stu. Stu Robinson. And remember, being Stu could play the point guard that afforded IU to play Steve Alford at shooting guard. I remember, uh, yeah, Stu Robinson was a part of that Eddie Ford team that was beaten Chuck, by the Elite Eight in by Virginia. Can I do a Crab yep. impression? If you do, it's, anything goes, do what you please here, Jay. A six foot one junior out of Anderson, Indiana, Stu Robinson. That's right on target, Jay. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, John. Jay from the North Side. That's right on target, right there. I closed my eyes and I thought that there had to be. I opened it up and Chuck Crab had to be somewhere around here. So anything goes. Two three nine ten seventy. BTR, jump on this show. Hey, JMB, it's BTR. What's up, brother? Long time no speak. I just want to thank you, first of all, for the last pair of KISS tickets. Did you get that? The last Man. pair. Yeah, don't let anybody know who you are. That might be terms of fighting right there. Man, it was like a knockdown drag out for people to try to get on this show to win those a couple of weeks ago. That's well done. Yeah. Uh First of all, I'm like torn between a new quarterback and Lamar Jackson. What do you do? Well, here's what you do. For to me, it's just way too far away right now. Other than us having a conversation about, I don't want to squash the conversation because that helps us. And I do certainly recognize what he would bring to that position here uh, compared to who they will be able to draft coming up in the draft i just don't think there's a reason enough to to really think that that could happen if it were to get closer and become more reasonable i just think right now it's just good sports talk show fodder that i'm not going to steer away from but it's just to me it's going to take a lot for that to ever actually happen to me i just want to give a shout out to pacers i love what they're doing don't tank well, there's no Halliburton and Turner tonight. I'm not suggesting they're they're tanking, but they're not. Neither no, one are no, playing no. tonight. We're, we're we're deep on the Pacers, and uh, they'll step up and do it. Hey, JMV. Yo, love you, brother. Right back at you. BTR's going to see Kiss. He'll be calling Doctor Love coming up in November at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Calling Doctor Love. That, to me, I want to continue the conversation is fine. And certainly was notable uh, of the timing of Lamar Jackson today. It's notable because we had Bucky Brooks on, and that's also timing where he basically talked about the Colts needing to get directly involved. And then you have the timing of Chris Ballard answering the questions about it today at the owners' meetings in Arizona. And although he really didn't say anything, the fact that he addressed it, I think, keeps the excitement going. And when you ask me this, I will tell you, I still believe that they're going to draft the quarterback. I still believe that they're going to draft Will Levis. That is not my first choice. They're going to have to get deeper, and it's going to have to be become becoming more reasonable to me to suggest that any Lamar Jackson thing can happen. And here's the reason why. I sit here right now believing that he's just going to end up back in Baltimore. Could this evolve and go a different direction? Absolutely. 
But until I hear otherwise, I'm going to go. No, I'm going to go with what I know right now. That's not what I choose or what I would choose. Because you guys know what I would choose. It's C.J. Stroud, number one overall, and take off with him for the foreseeable future. But there is, you know, there's no denying that the fans certainly, and I think if you were to, and I think he's going to meet with the media tomorrow, when you ask Jim Irsay, he would love for this not to be a test pattern season for a rookie quarterback, but an excitement-laden season with a guy that used to, at one point in time, uh, be the best in the NFL and certainly the MVP back in 2019. I just don't see that still right now as reasonable. Marcellus is next at 239-1070. Hello, Marcellus. What's up, man? How you doing? What about the OJs? A little love train on Saturday night? Oh, oh, yeah, and a little Frankie Smith, too. Oh, double Dutch bus. (laughs) Double Dutch bus come down the street. That's a great song. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania's own Frankie Smith. You know it, man. You know it. Hey, uh... Well, you know where I am on Lamar, man. We've talked about that. And, and, you know, these last few days have been a circus. The way he's handled his business, okay, I, it's like people don't want to – it's like certain athletes, people don't want to kind of just be honest about. Look, man, you know, we're not used to our quarterbacks doing this kind of stuff in public. You know, and they handled, they've handled their business a little bit better. Even though we didn't like how luck left here, you know, you know. I think when, while he was our quarterback, you know, it was it was everything was handled. His business was handled a little bit better, and that shows the leadership qualities. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I don't want that here. You know, I just don't. You know, aside from the physical, uh, I think uh, handicaps that he's starting to develop now with the injuries and so forth. Man, he's just not, you know, I mean, no agent, no none of this. His mom's doing all this and that. It's just messy, you know. It's just messy, and and I don't like it. And just, you know, that's just from my standpoint as being a quarterback. You are the you are then the the leader of the team. Uh, there were some issues at the end of the season, you know, not traveling with his team when he when it was said he could have, you know, just to show leadership. You know, I you know I'm just questioning a lot of things now at this point. You know, on top of all of the well, and things. and this is a good point to do it because I I still think that's not even reasonable to suggest it's going to happen. There are just you know certain situations. I mentioned the Ballard thoughts. You know what Lamar Jackson, the timing of it today, uh, the fact that you know he talked about back on March the second, he went to the Ravens and asked for a trade uh, because there's no foreseeable resolution in it is the reason why people will still believe it. And you know really the significant thing, Marcellus, around here is the fact that people just do want a quicker fix both in the now and one that they believe can be longer term. I just, I don't think that there's enough behind this to legitimize it, but in terms of sports talk, you can certainly talk about it because it's ready made for that. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's good. It's good sport talk. And you always do good sport talk, Jake. Always, man. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. That's just that's why we're talking about it. And Absolutely. until until this thing, because to me right now, this is just my opinion. I think he's going to end up back in Baltimore. And you go back to Bucky Brooks, who was on earlier from NFL Network. Mm-hmm. He said all this stuff about you know Indy, you know, going hard and you know doing what you can do to get one of the best quarterbacks of the NFL on your team. But when I ask him at the end, so what do you think is going to happen? He believes he's going back to Baltimore too. So yeah. it'll be a lot about nothing at the end. You think so? Huh? You think he's going to go back to Baltimore? Yeah, it's like he's burning some bridges over there. You would think, <laughs> but man, that 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 you know that uh, that high that you will get of having one of the guys. And there's there's no doubt he's one of the guys. Yeah, and there's one of the guys, and he may. But I, I think that you can probably you know rebuild a bridge if he's able to play well at a high level and and maybe withstand playing throughout a season, you may be able to reestablish that. It's much more difficult to 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 try to bring one in and to draft and to hope that it turns into something that special at some point in time. Yeah. Well, you know what, man? I looked up, I did some research, and I looked it up, and I'm like, only only eight quarterbacks drafted number one overall have delivered a Lombardi for their teams. Eight. Yeah. In all these years, you know, and so it's kind of – I know we we clamor for that number one guy all the time, man. We you know, but it's always some guy in the middle rounds, the third round, or some some guy who almost didn't make it in the league who's now a goat now. But but I one mean, of the one of the eight one of the eight is here. One of our guys. Yeah. So guys. there's no reason. Yeah yeah. 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 So, but I'm just saying, man. You know, we we really put too. I don't know if we put too much stake in that number one guy because that quarterback position, man, is so unpredictable. You don't know what these guys are going to be. You really don't. I just think you know? the, I I think it's having for me. It's having the option of getting what you want. Now, I will say yeah. this: I had heard yeah. since October. What they wanted, what they liked, is Will Levis. So I've said all along, you know, it, it seems like with the way they've handled this, Marcellus, the way they've handled this, it's, you know, Levis is the guy considering they haven't done anything and maybe they won't do anything to move around looking for somebody that's going to be available at four. He's going to be on your doorstep and that's who you're going to pick. So we'll hey, see. Rocket, rocket arm and Levi's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know about it either. Good to talk with you, man. You too, man. It's uh, Marcellus right there on Anything Goes. Johnny is next. Hello, Johnny. Johnny, welcome to the show. Hey, JMV. Yeah, real quick, just wanted to say Chuck Crab. Wow, that brought me back to my childhood. Um, nothing like hearing him say the word sophomore. I just loved how he pronounced sophomore. Uh, that guy hit it on the nose with the uh, yep. with the invitation. Uh, you know, I just wanted to say, man, you have you have been on the air for some time. I've been a loyal listener ever since you've been on the air, and I love your takes. I love your humor. Sometimes I feel like you're me. It's just outstanding what you do, man. I just want to that's Johnny. That's very kind moment. of you. And I will and tell you that's, this: that's what I try to do um, because I, I, I want to re- ultimately relate to everybody. And I, you know, that's I, I play the role of me every day, and it's not just for three hours here. This is just me every day. Love me, love me some you, man. Love me. <laughs> well, we would get along greatly. We could hang out because if you like what I like, then. You know, that's that's pretty cool. So I dig that. Yeah, Thank man. you, Johnny. 
Appreciate you. Very kind. Yeah, I mean, it's being relatable around here. It's talking about the stuff people want to hear about. That's why I steer clear. There are plenty of national things to go. The problem is you got all these national stories that all the national people cover. Got to constantly remember the reason why we go back to stuff is because the stuff we talk about here matters to you. Nationally, other than the occasional swooping in story-wise, they don't give a crap about you. And we do. Uh, You and what you care about here, that's what matters most to us. And I know from 3 until 6, that's exactly how we designed this show and we have for the better part of 18-plus years. Mike is up next at 239-1070. Hello, Mike. Morning. Uh, good evening, Jamie. JMV, yeah. let's put Indiana back on top in the, in the high school basketball. Why don't we, a week later, after we, we've had the, 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 the class one, two, three, four, last Saturday, meet a week later to determine the real champion of Indiana high school basketball? Oh, you mean to do one of those uh, uh, tournament of champions things? State champion, not tournament champion, but the Indiana State champion. And if you get behind it, it can happen. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. They tried that once upon a time, and it didn't go over well. All right, back to that later on in the week. Thank you very much, James, Bucky Brooks, Dusty May, Jay Query, Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Derek Schultz in for me tomorrow. Thank you, Derek. Enjoy, Derek. I'm back on Wednesday. Mavericks Pacers pregame. Other side, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Have a great night. Be safe. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.